All right, that's better. Now in your full stuff goodness, fantastic. All right. Now I am your conscience. <laughs> Stop scratching yourself there. It can't always be itchy. <laughs> but it is. It really is. I know, is. but that's because you keep scratching it. Oh, fine. What's that great meme that's floating around to the Chinese guy saying, uh, uh, when one mosquito lands on your testicles, you find that it's always a way to solve problems without using violence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's where you got that uh, line from and that uh, conversation you had in Texas. You know, once you know enough, you'll know that almost nothing I do is original. Once, once you... <laughs> I just I, I entirely rely upon the complete non-literiness of your generation to look original. So yeah. I see, I see. Although I guess I guess focusing on a meme on the internet is not exactly breaking that. <laughs> it's not like Dostoevsky or something. All right. All right. We have um we have six people on the line. Uh we had a couple of people that ended up canceling at the last minute. So some folks from later shows offered to pop up. And if there is time, if there's not, there's not. Oh, listen, can I just kind of put a message out for the people who canceled? Please do. <laughs> All right. Now I want eggs. <laughs> I, don't know what's I know. Now I'm hungry <laughs> and I feel like pecking the dirt. All right. <laughs> Let's bring on the pecking party. Mike, who do we have first? No intro? No intro I or anything? You, I thought I thought the show had already started. Oh, had it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Let's do a bit of put that put out the whole thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So who do we have first? All right. Up first today is Marco. Marco Polo. Sorry. I've just <laughs> I've You just do realize been... you do realize No no I listen. I, no, no, I just, no 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 hold on hold on. You do realize that when I added him to the call, I said I actually said this on the streamer. I restrained myself from making that joke because I know Steph will make it within the first 30 seconds of the call. And no, no, it's not even a joke. It it's, a, it's a reflex. I've just – there's so there's a listener. I'm, I'm in California, right? So there's a listener here who we've been friends with for a couple of years, and his kids are great. And he he's basically dropped them off at my place for a couple of days, and we've been doing a lot of swimming. So the moment somebody says, Marco – uh, mm. I just immediately have to say polo. I'm sorry. Although, and, and now apparently it's called cheese and then someone says cake, uh, which gets us back to now I'm hungry again. But all right, let's move on with the callers and try and focus a little. <laughs> so saying Marco is a reflex. Is the entire show yeah. a reflex at this point? <laughs> uh, I don't know why. Is that, is that important? Does it matter? <laughs> All right, all right. Marco wrote in and said, in a previous show, you said that a country banning Bitcoin would decrease the availability of Bitcoin, and thus it would raise the price, much like heroin prohibition led to an increase in the price of heroin. But wouldn't the supply of Bitcoin actually remain the same, since government can't really stop people from mining and storing it? And wouldn't the demand for Bitcoin drop, since fewer people would be willing to accept it as payment, meaning that the price would drop and not increase if all other things remained consistent? All right, Marco. Okay, what, what? 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 <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I normally have like one sentence. <laughs> this is like a, a thesis and a half with like moving graphs and nine-dimensional IMAX things and all that. I'll paste it in your Skype window to help out. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so pretty. I'm so pretty. All right. Go ahead, okay. Uh, hi. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, so basically my question was... Uh, about the price of Bitcoin in the podcast uh, where a guy talked about uh, aliens and things like that, you said that Bitcoin uh, would uh, act uh, like heroin. 
if uh, countries would benefit. That the price would uh, rise instead of falling. But I don't think that's what would happen. I think uh, it would basically uh, decrease because the availability of Bitcoin would uh, remain the same because you don't use up Bitcoin, you use up heroin on the other hand. So actually, uh, the price would fall. What do you mean you don't use up? I mean, I know you don't consume it, but when yeah. people mine a Bitcoin, it's their personal property. No, right? Of course, so. Of so it's not like it's used up. Now, I, I, I don't think I would have said it decreases the availability of Bitcoin because, as you say, Bitcoin is mined from uh, computers, mostly from, I think, GPUs. I guess, no, they have dedicated uh, chips now for, for doing yeah. this kind of stuff. But can you tell me something that a government has banned that is heavily used that hasn't gone up in price, Right. So, I mean, like, so the government has banned uh, some uh, things in Argentina, right? Argentina's going through this terrible economic crisis where they have to line up for hours to get eggs and, and milk and so on. And that's because the government has banned high prices uh, and therefore there's these massive shortages and therefore in the black market the price is even higher. Uh, and, of course, the government bans prostitution and the price of prostitution goes up. And then the government bans drugs and the price of drugs uh, goes up. So, you know, government banned alcohol, of course, in prohibition in the U.S., and the price of alcohol went through the roof. So uh, I think that there's enough precedent to say that when the government bans something, that its prices is going to rise. Uh, no, uh, I see where you're coming from, but, but uh, I think the distinction between Bitcoin and uh, all the other things, like uh, heroin and prostitution, although, okay, prostitution is a bit different, is that uh, Bitcoin is not a consumer good, it's a currency, I mean, amongst other things. So, uh, why, sorry, why is a, sorry to interrupt, but why is a currency not a consumer good? Uh, because it doesn't get uh, used up, you know, you, when you do heroin, there's less heroin in the world. When you use it, no, but, uh, I mean, the, hang on, hang on, but the internet doesn't get used up either, but it's still a good, right? Yeah. A road doesn't get used up when you, but it's, I don't think it has to, something has to be used up to be a consumer good. Unless, and, unless you mean by consumer good something which is consumed and destroyed. But what I mean by consumer good is something that's bought and sold not by businesses in terms of business-to-business -business transactions, but business-to-consumer or consumer-to-consumer -consumer transactions. I don't think the definition is that it has to be uh, used up, but I'm certainly happy to hear arguments to the uh, country. Oh, no, no. Uh, I may have gotten the definition wrong. Uh... However, uh, really, the only use uh, of Bitcoin as a currency is uh, to exchange it with other people for stuff they have. So if less people, people are willing to accept Bitcoin, and I think that would be the case, because uh, larger companies wouldn't be willing to accept uh, Bitcoin anymore because they would risk going to jail. Uh, 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 that would decrease the use of Bitcoin. And that you can trade it with uh, people for other stuff is basically... <laughs> the whole purpose of currency. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that uh, Bitcoin is... There's a distinction in the way that most people think about economics between a good and a service and a currency. Like, they're sort of in two different categories. But I would argue that simply because the government has a violent monopoly of a currency, right? I, I, to me, currency is exactly the same 
as an iPad, as an internet service, as a hotel room, as a car, as gasoline. It's just another good and service which people use. So I don't think that you can say currency is not subjected to the same economic, I don't know, I hate to say laws because that sounds deterministic, but the same economic tendencies as everything else is. Uh, to me, it's, it's just another good, good and service, right? You, you pay money to use Bitcoin if you want to buy them or you can, of course, trade them if you have skills and so on. And you use them for the value that they provide uh, and you can either keep them or, or sell them or whatever, right? And so to me, they're just another economic good. I wouldn't say that there's different economic tendencies that are going to occur for a currency as for any other good and service. It's just we have this split between economics and currency because the government has removed itself. But it's sort of like saying, well, if, if the government ran agriculture, then agriculture would be fundamentally different from other things in the economy. And while it's true that the government can impose different rules and laws and you know all the coercive might that they have on various goods and services, they're, of course, still subject to the same economic laws, which is why the U.S. government still continues to, the U.S. dollar still continues to lose value. But I don't think that they're fundamentally different. So if I sort of give an example of all these other things that the government bans and then it goes up in value, if you're saying that's not the case with Bitcoin, then you're saying that currency is not subject to economic tendencies, which is to say that somehow a currency is not part of the economic universe as all the goods and services it represents. I don't think that's true. I, I think that a currency is just another good and service. It's subject to all the same laws. No, I agree with you on that. Uh, what I think is that uh, a ban of Bitcoin would uh, affect its price differently than, uh, than uh, on heroin, affect the price of heroin. Because if a government bans uh, Bitcoin, they can stop people from producing Bitcoin. The amount of Bitcoin in the world will remain constant, while uh, the government can actually stop people from producing uh, heroin because uh, they can interfere with the labs or what they have. Uh, I don't even know how heroin is produced. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the, the quantity of Bitcoin would remain the same. Uh, no, no. How, how? Sorry. How could the government ban people from creating Bitcoin? I mean, effectively. Oh, it's like they saying can, they can, can ban can, drugs, can. so now there's no drugs. I mean, it's a lot easier to produce a Bitcoin anonymously than it is to get poppies and heroin all the way from Afghanistan to Miami, right? Yeah, but that's my point, uh, because you can't stop people from producing Bitcoin. You can't even make it harder for them, really. I mean, they could uh, right. employ some gigantic uh, mining rig to compete with the others, but I don't think that's uh, what they would do. Uh, while uh, in heroin, you can actually you know, shoot people who have poppy fields. So right. you can increase the price of production of so heroin. Increase, I mean, uh, you can increase it like... Uh, uh, an amount that you could never do with Bitcoin, I think. Okay. So the production of Bitcoin would remain constant even after a ban, while the production of, uh, production of drugs uh, would drop. Uh, the price of drugs would go up because the production uh, is now lower and the demand is uh, uh, fixed. While in Bitcoin, the production will remain constant, but the demand would drop, I think, because uh, fewer uh, businesses would accept them because, because it would be risky. So uh, you would be able to mine the same amount of Bitcoin you can mine today, but you couldn't spend it. And that would mean well, no, no, but see, look, you, you've got to think um, 
uh, or at least sorry, so you got it. I, I would invite you to think about the larger term ramifications of being a tax farm owner, right? So, um, Mike, I just did this presentation, which Mike put together uh, on um, dead dollar walking, the truth about about government debt. And so the Fed has created all this money, but 81.5% of all the money the Federal Reserve has created has been parked right back in the Federal Reserve. Well, why on earth would they be doing all of this? Because they just, they pay, they're paying a quarter percentage point interest per year on money that is redeposited back in the Fed, the excess reserves that are not required and has been hist- zero since the 1950s until 2008 when the Fed said, here's all this money, oh, we'll pay you a quarter of a percentage point risk-free if you park it with us. Well, because they need to create the illusion that the economic system is strong. And I'm sure you've heard of regime uncertainty. Uh, And what that is, is when a a government looks like it's out of control, people stop wanting to have their money in that that country. And they they withdraw their money, they, they won't deposit it there, they won't invest in the country because there's regime uncertainty. Or, you know, another way of putting it is a lack of trust. You know, mm-hmm. trust is one of these things. It's been estimated to be responsible for 99.5% of a successful economy's success is, is trust. And mm-hmm. what happens if a government decides to ban Bitcoin? Then the people will say, well, why are you banning Bitcoin? Bitcoin has, as it's growing up, right, and as it's becoming, uh, people are becoming more aware of it. It's, you know, it's a cryptocurrency. Very few people know what that means, but they know it's a medium of exchange. They know it can be taxed. So they view it as an investment vehicle or a transaction vehicle. I think that's, and and most investors will know about that too, at least the sophisticated investors. They won't understand the technology, but that's all right. I don't understand the technology of diamond mining, but I still know that diamonds are valuable. But if a government decides to ban Bitcoin, What's happening is they are ratcheting up the risk of being perceived as like a third world kleptocracy. And like the regime uncertainty will get very high because people will say, well, wait a minute. Why is this country banning a major innovative investment and transaction vehicle? And everybody knows that governments have inside information about what the economic numbers are really like. And a government that bans exports of, of its currency is afraid of capital flight, and so people freak out and don't want to be, be part of that. And so if a government bans bitcoins, then people will say, well, so the government has just randomly acted against and destroyed hundreds of millions of dollars of value of investment and so what's going to happen is people are going to be kind of alarmed at that. And they're going to take money out of that country and it's going to be a regime uncertainty with regards to that country. And what people will say is that they must have banned Bitcoin because Bitcoin is harming the value of their dollar or because they're unable to collect the taxes on it. In other words, Bitcoin is more valuable than, the, than their currency or their dollar, and they're unable to collect taxes on it. Well, I think that will drive demand for Bitcoin. Again, I don't know for sure, but it's really... A, 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 why, why haven't countries banned Bitcoin? Because they don't want to scare 
investors. It's why they keep promising all this austerity. It's why they keep promising all this economic growth that never materializes because they're just terrified of being perceived as a dangerous investment scenario or environment, I guess. So I think if, if a government bans Bitcoin, I think other governments will promise not to ban Bitcoin. At least that's what I would do if I was sort of evil and in charge of the government. The moment that some country was flirting with banning Bitcoin, I would say, Bitcoin is welcome here. I would write it into the Constitution that you can't ban Bitcoin, whatever it was. And then I would get all the investment money that would be fleeing that other uh, country. And I believe that the demand for Bitcoin would go up uh, as a result of that. So again, this is all theoretical. I can't guarantee or promise any of that naturally. But I think that there's a lot more to um, to to the price of an investment or trading vehicle like Bitcoin than uh, than meets the eye. Does that make any sense? Uh, no, no, it's your point. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Glad you have help. Mike, who do we have next? All right. Up next is Stefan. No, not you, Steph. Another Stefan. And oh, he... good, because I'm, I'm a bitch of a guest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, Try to get a word in edgewise with me as a guest. <laughs> oh, wait. What would... I don't know what that... What? What? Wait, when you say you've had those conversations, are you also indicating that you've not had those conversations? <laughs> the bubble again. We've talked about the bubble in previous shows. Oh, yes. And maintain the bubble. The maintain bubble. the bubble. <laughs> the host is an orchid. All right. Stefan? 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 Yeah, he writes in and says, uh, I had a discussion with my friend recently who finds no problem in just sleeping around without any feelings or emotions for the other person. My question has to do with morality and sex. What makes a certain sexual attitude immoral? And can one use objective moral values to judge such behaviors? Moral values. Interesting. Well, hello. Hi. Nice to meet you. Uh, nice to meet you, Stefan. Uh, the original Stefan. Um, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know how old you are, but you sound like you're younger than me, so let's say that I am for now. The guy who has to spend <laughs> half his life saying, no, not PH, it's with an F. No, it's not PH, it's with an F. Anyway, and who has a silent X at the end of his name. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I just used Stefan as an alias. It came up like the first thing that came to mind. wonder why. Oh, okay, but... okay. Now, wait. <laughs> so, now, I have a question. for. So, if you're using an alias, let's be honest with each other, is your friend who sleeps around you or actually your friend who sleeps around no it's actually a friend i mean uh oh, too I, bad. I, you know but I, you should introduce yourself as stefan because let me tell you that is just like catnip for the ladies oh, <laughs> hi i'm stefan hey where did your pants go why are your panties on my head anyway mm -hmm. so, so how's that worth working for you <laughs> uh well you know i've uh, i've limited that to an audience of one but uh, it's working all right so is he like a complete is he a complete man whore? Like a complete himbo? I mean, we're talking like Tom Likas shades of porting STDs. She, she's a she's a she's a female, and oh, um, yeah. Uh, well, okay. So she, now, does she sleep around a lot? Is is it? Uh, no, 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 it, no, no, no. But it was just one one confusion incident. Like, um, I met this person like a few months ago, and um, we we had we had. Uh, bright into intellectual conversations and all like she's she's very smart and very young and beautiful and all that um but uh one night um i ha like she she goes up she goes out with with one guy and and i la i later learned from her that she's got 
gone to bed with him like the same night. And oh, the um, first day. Well, I, I'm not sure if it was the first or the second, but it couldn't be like uh, like it was. It was very very soon into after they met him, and I asked her after that, like, are you attached to him or are you, are you emotionally attached to him? And she said no. And that at that point is where I got kind of uh, like. I, I, I don't know. I, didn't, I never expected a person to, who I considered, I'm probably it's also my, my, my gap of expectations here, but I considered a person who is intellectually bright as her uh, to have similar values as, as I do. Of course, of course, I was wrong with that. Uh, but we tried to actually talk it through. Like we, we tried to, I tried to tell her why I'm, I was kind of um, maybe confused uh about this and she kept like um trying to uh, to maybe avoid using bad words like i was i was also trying to avoid using bad words like calling a person uh slut or something um we tried to avoid that um and i and i still wouldn't consider her dad but she's um you sweat you still wouldn't consider her dad did you sir do you mean you still wouldn't consider her bad is that right uh, not that, like like a slut, right? Oh, okay, okay, right. For 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 the for 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 her, being able to justify it to herself somehow, um, but we couldn't agree on that justification she provided. She could she we we after we we discussed it a lot. We well, sorry, I'm, I'm just, hang on. We got to just just slice and dice a little here. So you said you criticized her for going to like basically for screwing a guy on the first date. Let's just say the first, maybe it was the second or whatever, the first date. And she, what was her justification? That it's meaningless and that it's, that she can actually do that with that. Like, what's wrong with it? I'm not hurting anybody. And I, um, and the thing is also, um, like she, there is, there, she, there's a capability that she speaks of. I'm not, I'm not well aware of, but she can actually separate the physical action for emotional attachment. For me, the emotional attachment, if you have like 20 boyfriends, Adam, it doesn't matter to me as long as you have emotional attachment. Uh, but that's just no. Me. But if you sorry, but if if you have emotional attachment, then you can't really have twenty boyfriends. Well, I mean, not 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 simultaneously, back to back. I would say no, no, even back to back though. You know, like this that uh, Alanis Morissette song about all the boyfriends that she had and so on, and it's bullshit. Look, if you if you have someone that you have a really great emotional attachment to, then you you work at that, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you work at that. It's like saying, I've now lived in 20 houses. I've loved them all. It's like, no. If you love a house, you stay living in the house. I mean, if you're moving, it's because you want a better house. So you something you don't like about it significantly, right? So maybe uh, some, I just wanted sometimes, to point that out. Sometimes the house, if we, if we go on to that analogy, maybe sometimes the house like uh, gets uh, and infested with some bugs. Sometimes you just have to leave. Sometimes you have to move. Bad, some, some people move in the neighborhood. Like... A lot of stuff yeah, that happens except, to a relationship that makes you want to leave. people don't suddenly get infested with bugs, right? So that's... <laughs> well, sometimes... I mean, we can like... only take that analogy so far. Or if they get suddenly invest, infested in bugs, it's usually in their groin because they've been, quote, staying exactly. at a condo for the weekend, right? So, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is that there, there'll be uh, a lot of reasons why why a relationship wouldn't work. Like, I, I was in a relationship myself, and I used to be so devoted to that person, but after uh, after a while, I discovered I didn't know her at all and uh and it broke up we we, we broke up for like for multitude of reasons though uh i'm not blaming it all on her i would say um but uh yeah so just to say that the, the ability of uh 
having um, sexual or or intimate physical relationship. Okay, with okay, a person. I got it. Sorry, I'm, I got to interrupt because I think we we kind of got the scenario in the first three minutes and we're kind of repeating it. So okay, so I will tell you um, my thoughts about that, and then um, I will accept as joyful the uh, the feedback that sure. uh, uh, that that occurs from it. So uh, the first and foremost. It's different for women than it is for men. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's different for women than it is uh, for men. So uh, when you are a woman and you are receiving the bone, then usually the man is bigger. The man usually has 40% more muscle strength. He's usually kind of towering over you or in some dominant position over you. And a woman who puts herself in an extremely vulnerable physical position without getting to know someone is uh, acting on uh, a bad self-protection matrix. In other words, they're compliant to the needs or wishes of the other person, or they're willing them to put themselves in a dangerous and vulnerable position or situation for reasons of hypogamy, or which is you know, a woman's desire to sort of date up or marry up or, or have sex with the most attractive alpha male around. So she's not... Uh, so a man to, for a man to have sex, he's not putting himself in a physically vulnerable position. I mean, if, if, if some guy turns out to be, you know, like, like, was it Cape Fear, where Robert De Niro, you know, seduced this woman in a bar and ended up chewing her cheek off. I mean, I guess that's not hugely common. But if you uh, are a woman, then you are in a physically vulnerable position during sex. And if the guy turns out to be freaky or creepy, I mean, you're fucked. I mean, like you're really in a horrible, horrible position or, or situation. So uh, that's different for women than it is uh, for men. So that's sort of the first thing that I would point out. It's, it's not an ethical issue. I mean, I think that there's some gray ethical issues which could be actionable in a free society around lying. So, I mean, obviously, for instance, if a man says, I don't have an STD, like a sexually transmitted disease like chlamydia or gonorrhea or herpes or whatever, if the man says he doesn't have those and then he does, then he would be liable for sanctions, right? Of course, the problem is he could just say, well, I don't know, and assuming he hadn't been tested or there was some paper record or whatever. So there are issues around that. Like a woman who says, I'm infertile and then gets pregnant. Uh, the man would not, in a free society, the man would not be liable for the baby. Of course, in a free society, uh, even if the woman got pregnant, the condom broke, or even if they didn't use protection, the man, of course, would have the option to opt out of being a father, uh, to sign something which say, I relinquish all rights, I have no further responsibilities, in the same way that a woman can have an abortion, a man can opt out of Fatherhood, which of course, uh, given the degree to which women vote, is not going to happen in a state of society. So there's that, uh, that aspect to it as well. You simply don't know how honest, how trustworthy uh, someone is. You don't know if it's a guy who is uh, a creep who might turn violent. You don't know if he's not violent, he might be emotionally unstable. And he might stalk you. He might become obsessed with you. He might, like, you don't know these people that you're letting fill up your hoo-hoo with their seed. You don't know who the hell these people are. But you're saying here, P, 
pin me down naked, have at me, know where I live, and get lost in the morning. I'm sure there's never going to be any problem with that. I mean, just read Mr. Looking for Mr. Goodbar if you want to know more about that. It's an old novel, but, but well worth reading. Now, biologically, our, our genes, our, our system, our emotional system, our neurological system has no idea about birth control, has no idea about the pill. And so the risks of casual sex historically for women have been virtually fatal, right? So the risks of casual sex for women in, throughout history literally has been Russian roulette. Because if you get pregnant, and, you know, when they were using sheep's bladders as condoms, <laughs> you're either going to give birth to a human being or a sheep, but odds are you're going to give birth to something, right? And so if a woman has casual sex in history, then, I mean, she's hosed. I don't know. There's no way to say she's screwed without double, <laughs> doubling up on the alliterative, right? But, but <clears throat> and so I'm sorry for the, the speech, but I think this is an important thing to get across. So historically, women had an excess of fertility and men had an excess of labor. And women tra traded her fertility for the man's labor. And why did a man have the right to own the woman's uh, sexuality? Because he bought it with his excess labor. He paid for it which is why she raised children, and he worked, and he gave her resources, and she gave him fertility. And then after she was no longer fertile, he was expected to care for her forever. And so she had to choose a reliable, honest, decent, hardworking man. And studies show that average or below average looking people make far better partners uh, for the long-term haul of marriage and raising kids and so on. Like, Beautiful hotness doesn't do fuck all for you at 3 o'clock in the morning when the baby's thrown up for the th second or third time. Then you need a woman with a good heart and a strong back and a <laughs> hearty constitution, right? And like the, the size of her cheekbones might matter to Francis Ford Coppola, but not so much to the harried husband and wife team who are trying to raise kids and so on, right? So a, a woman who took the enormous risk of death, right? I mean, a lot of women died in childbirth. In, in history. And if you were a woman with a child, you were unmarriable. Right? You were, uh, I mean, you could try and live with your parents, but they would be shame, shaming you. And most likely what would happen is you would live a life of destitution and horror and poverty. And then you would be the person that everyone points to and says, this is what happens if you don't get into a stable, legal, marital relationship before you start popping out the wee ones, right? So, so this is kind of where we are hardwired. So a woman who just goes and sleeps with a guy is going against her hardwiring. And what she's basically saying is, is that her body has been, has been raised in a situation of violence and want, right? So there's two reproductive strategies, very briefly. One is you have fewer kids in a stable long-term relationship and you invest in that relationship and you invest in the kids. And you do that when it's not war, when it's not famine, when it's not disease, when it's not some god-awful horror that's smashing everyone up all over the place. And that's how you invest. The other is in a time of war, in a time of chaos and famine and whatever, right? Dogs and cats falling from the sky, fissures opening up under the earth or whatever. What you do is you just screw as many people as you can and 
genetically just cross your fingers that one of them is going to make it to adulthood. But you don't invest in your kids and you don't invest in your relationships. Now, in the first scenario, you look for personality, right? In the first scenario where you're going to invest and get married, you look for moral qualities. You look for stability. You look for dedication. You look for the capacity for love and attachment and affection and so on. And, And that's what you invest in. In the second scenario, you look for physical markers of genetic success in a time of conflict and, and want. And this is one of the reasons why women who raise children without fathers are priming them for a life of aggression. Because the genes look around and say, shit, really? No fathers? Well, that must mean we're in a time of war. Because there are no fathers. So single moms raise children, primed for sons in particular, raise them for aggression. Because by not having a father around, they are signaling to the developing child, both psychologically and genetically and emotionally, that you are in a situation of conflict. And the reason there are no dads around is because you're in a time of war or whatever, right? And they're signaling to the women that they raise, these single moms, they're signaling to the women that... They better just have sex. They don't care about commitment because the whole point is just get another kid into the world. Forget about long-term commitment. And this is why teen pregnancy and so on for children of single moms is so high. And this is why uh, violence among the men uh, for single moms is so high. So anyone, so, so all, you, all this woman is saying to you and all she's saying to a man is she's saying, I was raised in a really crappy environment. I mean, that, that's, that's all that people are saying when they have sex that quickly. Um, it's the lack of self-respect, the lack of self-protection that comes. They're just saying, look, uh, hey, uh, this is my way of saying uh, my pussy is available because my dad was not. And, you know, I hate to put it that way, but that's just the way it is. Now, let me just uh, mention one other thing before I give you a chance yeah. okay. to, uh, to respond. There has been quite a, a fair amount of of work done in this area. It's not talked about very much, but it is something that is important. So there was a heritage study uh, calculated on a 10-year divorce rate. And what it did was it asked the women, how many sexual partners did you have before you got married? And then it calculated the risk of divorce in a 10-year period. Right? So uh, it calculated risk of divorce. Now, remember, for, for a man, divorce is a multi-decade financial, emotional, and legal complete catastrophe. You know, you can read Alec Baldwin wrote a book about his divorce from Kim Bassinger. Uh, He compared it to basically, you know, if people tie you up and drag you behind a truck on a dirt road, you basically have no control over it, and it stops when they decide it stops. And it starts again when they decide it starts again. I mean, it's a $50,000 average for many years for some people, a, a complete lifetime of being financially, emotionally, and legally mashed up, groin to groin, face to face, soul to soul with someone you probably dislike quite intensely. So when we're talking divorce, we're talking outside of a serious illness, one of the worst catastrophes that can befall the man. Just talking about it from the man's perspective. I know it's tough for women and all that, but just talking about it from the man's perspective. So if you want to live a happy life, the first thing you need to do is, you know, don't smoke like a chimney and don't get divorced. Right. I mean, I come from a generation of men whose dads, whose basically whose moms all divorced their dads. 
you know, 70, 75%, even these days, of divorces are initiated by women. So I come from a generation where the mom said, fuck off to the dads, left, right, and center. Get lost. I don't want your cock. I just want your money. So fuck off, and I am now going to bury you in lawyers. So that was basically my generation. And it's a little bit better now, but not a huge amount. So don't get divorced. <clears throat> it ruined my dad's life. It ruined the lives of people uh, I know, men I know. Uh, it is wretched. And what's even worse in some ways <clears throat> is that the fear of divorce has kept some of my friends, no longer friends, but in really, really terrible marriages to some pretty terrible women. Because they are so terrified of what's going to happen if they try to get divorced that they are stuck with these god-awful women. Because the women know, and they know, that they'll just get taken to the goddamn cleaners. And they're just, they, 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 what are they going to do? Well, let's say, I know a guy married to this woman. Oh, God, it's a, it was a terrible marriage. I just bailed on the whole relationship, even though I've known the guy since I was 11. Like, it was just, it was too horrible. Terrible marriage. And he can't leave her. I mean, he said, he said, I know what's going to happen if I leave. I mean, she's going to take me for everything I've got. I'm going to end up living in some basement apartment. I'm going to be undateable for everyone else, and I'm not going to see my kids. And so he just, he just stays, and it becomes this slow-motion, lava-caked treadmill to the very gates of hell itself forever, forever, forever. It's okay because, you know, his youngest kid was three, so he's only got another 15 years in pussy jail. Hmm. So... <clears throat> this is a, a, a very dangerous situation. So the key thing to do is to try and figure out what are the risks of getting divorced? And th this does tie into to your question. I'm sort of just speechifying from my own perspective, right? Um, so well, let, I, me, let, me just give, let me just finish with the numbers, then I'll, I'll shut up. Okay. All right, go ahead. So the number of lifetime non-marital sexual partners for women so if you get married to a woman and you're her first partner and she's a virgin, 10 years later, you have a 75% chance of staying married to her. If she's not a virgin bride, in other words, if she's been your girlfriend, you've had sex before, but you're her only partner, that marital stability drops to 69% over 10 years. If she's had one prior partner to you, your marital success rate drops to 52% after 10 years. If she's had two partners, it drops to 43%. Three partners, 39%, and it goes down and down and down. Five partners, you have a 29% chance of still being married 10 years later. If she'd had 16 to 20 partners before you, you have only a 17% chance of still being married after 10 years. So in other words, a woman who's had a lot of sexual partners, I mean, just stick your dick in a blender and get it over with. A very expensive blender. I mean, statistically, you do not want to enter into a partnership where you have an 83% chance of failure, which is going to cost you hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars over a 20-year period and destroy your capacity to form another pair bond relationship for the most part. Now, I don't know what the statistics are for men, but I believe men are sort of hardwired to be able to better survive, so to speak, psychologically 
casual or meaningless sex. And so my sort of caution is, right, there are a number of warning signs that you need to look into. I'm going to do a whole video on this, so I won't sort of go into them now. But I really need to help warn men how to stay away from women who are virtually certain, virtually certain uh, to, to cause like staggering interstellar destruction to their very lives and souls. You know, like when you're talking to a woman who's got like uh, talking about a woman who's got five or six or 10 or 15 partners before she gets married to you, you're talking about a success rate for marriages of less than 30 percent. Well, my goodness. I mean, what that means is that you are more likely to be a chain smoker and never get sick from smoking than you are to marry one of these women and stay married after 10 years. And this is just staying married. This isn't being happy. And this is only 10 years, not the 40 or 50 years that our current lifespan requires for a happy union. So I would not, I would not debate with this woman about the ethics of, of having sex or whatever. But I would basically say to her, what on earth happened to your childhood? That this is all you feel your vagina is worth. Does that make any sense? It does. It definitely does. And I agree with with uh, with. With almost all I all what I heard, uh, but I um, what I what I would uh, what what I why I won't be able to use those uh, like most of those uh, arguments. Um, well, first of all, I'm not like me and her are not going anywhere emotionally. We're friends, so we're we're debating it not for for the sake of um, of clearing out the way to have relationship emotional relationship between us. We're just arguing the morality of it like what makes wait it wait wrong, wait wait makes wait, right. wait 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 are you saying you can't talk to her about self-protection and self-care because you're only her friend what, well, what is your I definition tried, of friendship exactly well i did try that but it kind of turned out to be framed into the frame of uh well this is kind of paternalistic protect overprotective attitude of mine that was kind of Put in that basket by her, and it's uh, it was dismissed also for for the fact that I was also emotionally uh, vulnerable, um, and it, and I was considered to be biased. I still actually consider myself to be biased with with uh, like feeling like I, I, there is there is a good chance that I'm uh, my, my main reason I got uh, angry at uh, at that news is that I was kind of feeling kind of rejected, although I never yeah you want to sleep with her, and instead she's casting her pearls before swine, so to speak, right? Well, I would agree to the last part of this statement, but do I want to sleep with her? I'm, I'm not sure about this. Uh, I don't, I don't oh, think. Oh, wait, uh, wait. Come on. You said she's very attractive, yes. right? Yes. She's, and so she's, what you're saying is that there's a very attractive woman. I don't know if you're single. I was going to assume you're single, right? Because yes, there's no way um, there's no way that a sensible woman would let you be really close friends with an emotionally unstable, attractive woman. Like, I mean, that just would not make any sense to me at all. Well, it could make but, more sense if she's, if she's 20 and you're 33. So, Are you twenty and she? Sorry, you're thirty three and she's twenty. Yeah. Uh, so although, you want to sleep although, with her? You, you, no, come on. Let's be honest. Of course, you. So, and uh, you're single. She is a a highly sexually attractive twenty year old. Of course, you want to sleep with her. Mm. I mean, come on. Uh, well, come, give me give me a break. If she was an elderly <laughs> yeah, Asian right, gentleman, right, right. would you still be, you know, as concerned about her welfare? 
Well, but also we're, we're discussing it from, from an abstract point of view. Like, like if you're trying to, to convince... No, no, no. Self-knowledge. Forget the abstractions. Focus on the self-knowledge. Then get the abstractions. Abstractions without self-knowledge, um, you know, <laughs> just don't add up to much of anything. Okay? So you want to sleep with the woman, right? Well, I'm attracted to her. She's—I I find her pretty. I find her beautiful. Of course, I'm not going to—I'm not, I'm not going to say that I would ha that I would hate it if I, if it ever happens. Oh my but God! Will you will you stop beating around the bush and stop beating around the bush? <laughs> why would that? Why would that change? What would, what would that change? Do you you want to sleep with her? Just say, just tell me yes, please. Don't give me all of this. This. If I tell you no, with uh, because I, I I would I would actually have to say no. You don't want to sleep with her. No, no, not so at. She's not, sexually attractive to you. She's 20. You wouldn't mind if it happened, but you don't want it to happen. Yes, I do not want it to happen. Okay, so if you're not attracted to her physically uh, or you don't want to have sex with her, then she must be so amazingly wise and virtuous. She must like be overflowing with self-knowledge to the point where the fact that she's 20 and you're 33 means either you have the mindset of a 20-year-old or she has the mindset of a 33-year-old. In other words, she's just got... 13 additional years of wisdom and maturity based upon her virtuous life of self-knowledge and focus on philosophy. Now, there's a couple of reasons I don't believe that. One, she's sleeping with strangers and saying it's meaningless, which is not from self-knowledge. Secondly, she says she's not hurting anyone, which is she doesn't know. <clears throat> she doesn't even know if she's hurting herself. One of these guys could have one of these STDs that shows up later. And thirdly, when you try to bring stuff up, she, she pulls the patriarchal, what, you're being patriarchal and condescending. She doesn't have any counter-arguments. She just uses, you know, feminine wiles to get you to back off a topic she's uncomfortable with. So tell me about her scintillating virtues that I'm not able to see that makes her worth having her in your life if it has nothing to do with sexual attraction. Well, we... Well, I, I wouldn't say that we've been we've been friends for very long. We're just it's just like two or three no, months ago. No, you're starting the hedge. You're starting the hedge. Tell me, about, it's not sexual attraction. She is careless with her own sexuality, and she's dismissive and contemptuous to some degree towards you. So tell me, why is she in your life at all? If it's got nothing to do with sexual attraction. Well, because aside from that, this uh, the, from the sexual part. We have great times. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Watch movies, hang out, go to ca cafes, and have a lot of uh, very deep discussions uh, between us and other people. And um, I'm and does she have? A, 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 do you have friends. some sort of interrupt? Do you have some sort of income? Me at that point, no. No, now, yeah. I mean, I have very, very low stuff that just barely, barely keeps me alive, right? Okay, uh, and does she have any kind of income? I would say no either, no. No, and so when you go to movies and you go out for coffees and dinners or whatever, who pays? No, we usually, we, like, we, we can manage that. Like, the movies usually is stuff that, like, we watch it on a computer or something. We don't have to go to the theaters. Right. Uh, we watch it in uh, maybe another another friend's house or we have just we have a sit-around and watch uh, and, and talk philosophy all day. Um, Wait, and this is other 20-year-old friends of hers? No, actually, they're they're much they're much, some some of them are much older than us. Uh, like some of them are in their fifties and some of them are in their seventies. Um, but yeah, we have we have a common like we because I'm very new to this city. I'm just trying to scratch a surface of friends because I don't have any friends here. Um, I just came to Canada like seven months ago, um, so that's what's making me like trying to 
choose and make build some friend base, but um, I, I kind of like like you see, I'm getting kind of cultural shock maybe, and that's also where where my uh, where my opinions are being basketed by. Okay, by now I can I can ask you for the fourth or fifth time what the woman's personal virtues are, or you can tell me about your geography. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't care about your geography. I don't care that you've moved to a new city. I mean, I care that you got to meet friends and all of that. I'm just trying to ask or trying to figure out your degree of self-knowledge and self-honesty. Look, there is nothing wrong with you being 33 and being sexually attracted to a 20-year-old. I'm not suggesting you act on it, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. There's, it's, it's like saying, I'm on a diet, I'm looking at a cheesecake and my mouth is watering. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly natural. It doesn't mean you face plant into the cheesecake and get some sort of mustache disease. But what it means is that you have to be honest with yourself about where you are. Yes, but this is to say that she has no other value besides sexual value. I'm asking you what her values are. You've given me negative values. She sleeps around, she justifies it, and she gets insulted when you try to talk to her about it. These are not the marks of a mature person or a wise person. So well, you're telling me she only has value sexually because she's in your life while not treating you very well. And you're exhibiting all the signs of sexual jealousy, which is perfectly natural. So you're, you're the one who's telling me she has no value besides her sexuality because you're not talking about her stellar virtues other than you go to movies and you have, quote, great conversations except for the actual one you've talked about where she put you down for trying to protect her. Mm -hmm. So you tell me her value, and I'm not trying to, like, not saying I, I, I would guess that she's not. Look, she might snap at you and say, oh, for God's sake, stop being so patriarchal and condescending and talk to me about sex. Stop being so Victorian. Stop being so prudish. I'm just out having fun. I'm not hurting anyone. It doesn't mean anything. I can't a girl have a little fun, right? Mm -hmm. And then she might say, you know what? Uh, that was actually kind of rude of me. I'm really sorry about that. I don't know why that touched a nerve in me, right? You know, well, I don't well, lash out at people who say, uh, Steph, uh, you should eat more of this kind of food or less of this kind of food or whatever. Or, Steph, you know, when you lift weights, you should do it this way rather than that way. I mean, they may be right, they may be right. I'm not going to lash out at them. Oh, thanks for the info. Let me, let me mull it over or whatever, right? Or let's talk about it more, right? But she doesn't even know that you're lashing out at her because I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's going on. I mean, enough of this sort of <laughs> beating around the bush, so to speak, right? So I'll tell you what's going on. So she comes from a dysfunctional family. Am I right or am I right? Well, as far as I know, she still keeps in touch with her family back in Europe. I didn't there. ask whether she keeps in touch with them. Mm -hmm. Lots of people come from dysfunctional families and keep in touch with them. I just talked about people who stay in dysfunctional marriages and sleep with the person that they hate, right? Um, but well, I, does I don't she know, come from a dysfunctional family? I don't know enough about their family to judge it, but uh, she, they're, 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 her parents are still together and she still lives with them. So uh, I don't know if that would define it as dysfunctional. No. So you don't know anything about her childhood at all? No, not really. I, 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 we Where just the hell is like this a... close relationship then? I mean, what are you talking about? All abstract bullshit to cover up your heart on? I mean, this is nonsense. You don't know anything about her history, how she was disciplined as a child, where she grew up, what her friendships were like, what her schooling was like, and you claim to have some sort of intimate relationship with someone you know no history about them at all? I never claimed to have an intimate. I wish we're just friends. You are because you're talking about what she lets in her vagina. That's kind of an intimate topic, wouldn't you say? Intimate to her, like not to, not between. Oh my God! Us. Listen, okay, I'm going to give you like 45 more seconds to stop hedging. 
right? Because we're either going to have an honest conversation or you're going to deflect everything that I'm saying. Right? And I'm not trying to threaten you. I'm just saying I'm not going to pretend to have a conversation when no conversation is occurring. Right? Because every time I'm pointing something out, you're just changing the topic or hedging or whatever, right? Is it an intimate conversation to talk about who a woman sleeps with? Of course it is. Okay. Thank you. Do you know anything about this woman's history? You've said no. So you're having intimate conversations while knowing nothing about her history. That would be fair to say, yes. Okay. So it's sexual jealousy. Why would you be motivated about what she puts in her vagina if you don't care enough to even ask her what the hell happened before the age of 20 minus one day when she met you? Um, I'm trying to learn more about her, probably, because... Oh my God. Okay. I'm so sorry. We got to move on. Thank you so much for the call. I appreciate that. No, no, I'm sorry. I got to move on. I was just going to tell you like the, the, no, no, listen, come on. You're not trying to learn more about her. It's not actually that hard to learn more about people because you've had all these conversations with her. All you have to do is ask her something. You don't have to try to learn more about people. Just ask them what was your childhood like, or what was your history like, or what was your discipline like as a kid? Or, you know, you don't, there's no such thing as trying to learn something about someone. You just ask them. Anyway, I gave you one. I'm sorry. We got to move on but i do appreciate can I just, the call can i, I, think can I just bring some, one thing up can i bring just sure. one thing up um like within the, within the conversation we had um i, I tried to make her f- think why i see it as as bad but by making a, an analogy with um with, with a valentine's day rose like you go on valentine's i give uh, i give my girlfriend or my or my my special friend uh a red rose and she feels so special about this rose, then she goes home or she goes to show it to her friends and finds every single one of her friends having some of my rose too. Like John, like like or, or Mike or whoever gave those those friends um, the those for those roses too. So the same person um, gave uh, the same value to to different people makes makes her, her initial rose less valuable, less special. That's how I was trying to communicate it to her. Aside from from um, the continuous of species, uh, like the, the, the or the safe sex talk, um, and th- does that make sense to you? Does that um, is that is that analogy kind of making sense by any means? It, it what it communicates to me is that you really haven't been listening to everything or anything really that I've been saying, and you just if you want to sleep with the woman, tell her you want to sleep with her, or at least admit it to yourself. Uh, but all of this stuff about how many roses and this, that, and the other, without finding out about her childhood, all you're trying to do is manipulate her into sitting on your junk. So, uh, sorry, Mike, if we can move on to the next caller. Thank you very much for your call. And who's up with the nextness? All right, up next is Jesse G. And he writes in and says, After a lifetime of bad choices, I have come to the realization that I need to pursue therapy to understand the origin of my problems so that I can end my own cycle of dysfunction. The issue is, I have a son, age 11, who lives with his mother. As he approaches adulthood, I'm concerned that his traumas will manifest as impediments in his life the same way mine have. How do I reach out to him with these concerns when I am responsible for many of his traumas? Mm. Okay. Um, I think I'll obviously need more information. If you could uh, tell me a little bit about the uh, history of the relationship and where things stand now. Hello. Hi. Hi, Steph. Okay. Well... History of the relationship. Um, I yeah. So the uh, mother in question was a horrible, horrible, horrible mistake on my part. Um, 
I met someone, moved her in as a live-in girlfriend, which was a very bad idea. She immediately. How long after you met? Um, we had been communicating like through letters for several months, and she didn't have a place to go. <laughs> so you never uh, met her in person. No. <laughs> Okay, I would really, really appreciate it. And I know I have to say this to most people who I talk to. That shit's not funny, right? Um, no, it's yeah, not, right? I suppose I mean, it so, really isn't. I mean, it's Because you're trying to make it like, whoops, I stepped on a rake and it bumped me in the face. This is not Three Stooges. This is creation of human life, subjecting it to a terrible mom, right? Yeah. Right, so I really would appreciate it if it's too jarring for people. And it's jarring for me, too. Right. It, you're literally like somebody who's trying to clap with two hands suddenly sliced off and saying, isn't it isn't it funny that I can't clap and your blood squirting all over the place. Right. Yeah, I apologize for that. Frankly, you're still smiling, though, right? Yeah. OK, so just relax your cheek muscles, uh, relax your body. Uh, you don't need to present this to me as goofy comedy because I know what a serious and disastrous thing has occurred. Right. Yes. Okay. How on earth did you end up in the situation where this was a good idea for you? And by that, I mean your childhood. Yeah, well, it's clear that I lacked common sense. Uh, no, 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 I, no, 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 no. Yeah. You're blaming yourself, right? Well, it, it means you weren't taught common sense or common sense was not modeled for you. Right. But you didn't just mysteriously not possess it. Right. This is true. Um, okay, so when you when we talk about your childhood, you cannot blame yourself. Right. Because that's why I ask people about their childhood is to find out the degree to which they understand their history and how it formed them. Right. So when I ask people about their childhoods and they immediately start to say basically what they did wrong then I get that they're still enslaved to their parents' fantasies, right? Where the parents say, well, you were just a tough kid or you didn't listen or whatever, but it's never the parents' responsibility, right? Whereas if someone says, I was raised really terribly uh, and these were the things that were missing in my parent, uh, parenting relationship and these were the things that weren't provided to me, then I at least know that they have a somewhat rational and empirical view of their own history. But the moment they start blaming themselves, I know that they're still deep in the mother's and the father's delusions, right? And I would imagine no father around. Is that is that true? Um, for the most part, uh, my father was fairly around until the age of six, after which I never saw him again. My mom had a couple of boyfriends over the years. Uh, no one stellar, really. No, I get it. And do you know why your father left? Uh, well, not really, um, other than he didn't want to be responsible for paying child support or... No, that's not why he left. Those were the consequences of his leaving. Those were the consequences of his leaving. Right, so do you know why he left? I think now he was a Catholic and oh, I think not a very he, good one, I might add. <laughs> right. 
Because you're supposed to stay till death do you part, right? What God has joined together, let no man tear asunder. So yeah. he was not a Catholic. He may have claimed to be a Catholic, but he wasn't doing any of the really hard Catholic shit, right? Yeah, well, I guess that's true. <laughs> okay, you're laughing again and smiling again when we're talking about the fundamental hypocrisy of your father. All right, I apologize. Okay, just take a second, relax. Relax your face, right? Because you're trying to enroll me into this comedy, right? I, I, this is not comedy, so, you know, I have to be the guy who doesn't laugh at the bad comedian. And I'm sorry, but I need, the comedian needs to get the feedback, right? Right. Okay. So you don't know why your father left? No, I don't. Okay. And you don't know why he never contacted you again? Well, shortly after the divorce went through and we were like in our mom's legal custody, he visited us once at a restaurant. And I remember I made a remark that I used the word funky, right? And in his twisted worldview, it was like I had just dropped, you know, some kind of F-bomb worse than the F-bomb, right? So, oh, right. So he had abandoned his children, broken his vows to God and his wife and his children, was about to not pay child support. But the big fucking moral problem was your use of the word funky. Right. right. And what an you asshole. Know, I guess it means that I was being influenced, influences that he couldn't control. In other words, the environment that my mom created. Well, no. See, he could have controlled the influences, which is by not walking out on his family then he would have had quite a bit of influence over you, right? Right. But it's like if, if I leave some environment, then of course I don't have any influence over it. I mean, that would be insane to think otherwise. Okay, so your father was a dick, right? Yes. Okay. And then you use the word funky, and he's like, well, that's, you know, fuck, I can't possibly come back now. Right. Okay. So I have abandoned my children. I've abandoned my wife in direct contradiction to the entire religion that I claim to follow. But he used the word funky. So that's it. A man's got to have his standards. Right. I got to leave here because my five or six year old used the word funky because yeah. that's where his goddamn moral <laughs> standards are. Right. That's the impression I got because he acted shocked when I said, yeah, the yeah, word. no, I get it. It's shocking, shocking for such a paragon of virtue to be exposed to the semi-foul mouth of a five-year-old. My God. I mean, I'm surprised the man didn't faint and had to be revived with smelling salts. Such an emotionally and morally sensitive hibiscus as that. Good heavens. Good heavens. It, he must leave such a den of iniquity as a restaurant where a five-year-old uses the word funky because he is so morally pure and so dedicated to virtue. How could he possibly be expected to stand in the face of the hellish vermin spawn known as a child who uses the word funky in a restaurant. I can't even believe I'm repeating that. But, yeah, um, well, his morals were also rather questionable, as I recall very violent fights between him and my mother when they were together. Yes, it, look, it may be, and I'm sure it is true, that he had violent fights. I'm sure that he spanked you. I'm sure that... All of these terrible things occurred in the marriage. I'm sure that he checked out on his wife and kids and didn't even bother paying anything. But, and this is the important part, he never used the word funky while doing it. So I believe, though those are all just venal sins. The word funky, well, that's a mortal sin, right? It would seem so. Right. Got it. Got it. All right. 
Yeah, because there's there's all these speeches that young men don't hear these days. And it's really tragic. I wish I'd heard them when I was younger. Right? Just speeches for young men. I'm going to do a book, right? This is on, on the list. Speeches that young men need to hear because young men are growing up without fathers in droves. And if you had any kind of sensible dad and you were saying, hey, dad, <laughs> hey, Apple, hey, dad, I got a great idea. There's this unstable woman I've only ever talked to through email. I want her to move in with me and I'm thinking of impregnating her. What do you think, dad? What do you think? Son, that sounds decidedly funky. Don't do it. <laughs> right? Stop chasing everything with tits that says yes. And don't rate your penis so low that you'll stick it in anything with a pulse. For God's sakes, things have consequences. Sperm is like this giant bladed boomerang. You throw it out in the world, it comes back and it cuts your dick off. <laughs> so don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, you know, rank, rank your dick higher than squalid, unbalanced people who have the full military weight of the state legal system and the kangaroo court known as the family court system behind them, do not, do not touch that with your dick. <laughs> That's going to be the name of the book. Things not to touch with your dick. And I'm really sorry because, of course, now I'm sort of making jokes, but this is a serious issue. And it is important. That's how I knew you, you grew up without a dad because there's no human way that any remotely sensible dad who'd stayed married to any kind of quality woman would say, son, that sounds like a great idea. I mean, seriously, what could go wrong? You don't even know her. You're going to move in with her. Uh, you're going to give her access to your resources. And you're going to have sex with her because that's what often happens when women move in with men when they're both single. Sex is an inevitability, right? There are certain situations where you put yourself in that situation over enough time, bad things are going to happen, right? I mean, this is why when you're married, you can't just be one-on-one -on -one friends with attractive single members of the opposite sex or whatever sex you're attracted to. You just you keep going and hanging with those people, and sooner or later, something's going to happen. You know, you keep smoking, sooner or later, you're very likely to get sick. And in situations where, well, I'm just going to give her a place to stay, and uh, uh, she needs a place to crash on her couch, and it's like, come on, you're going you're gonna to screw. I mean, this is just what's going to happen. So I'm incredibly sorry that you had a screwed up enough mom. You know, mom, <laughs> moms without the capacity to understand female evil are really fucking useless. Yeah, well, because considering they can't tell that I was you, like, living no, with her this, at the time. Oh, you were living with your mom, and she said, yeah, bring this woman in. Yeah, yeah have exactly. sex with her. Sounds, sounds like a plan. Jesus Christ. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I mean, any, any sensible mom would be like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let me sit down and explain to you all the 11,000 ways while this is such a terrible idea. Let me help you create a Photoshop blank space where the future 11-year-old will be. And let me save you for something better. And let me try and figure out why this is even remotely tempting to you. But no. But no. It's like your mom should be paying the goddamn child support. I'm so sorry. What a ridiculously terrible environment to be brought up with. And by terrible environment, I don't fundamentally mean even abusive. The worst environment for children is the environment of bad advice.
Because abuse, you know, you get hit, you get whatever, right? Like, that's bad shit. You can deal with it and so on. But the soft, slippery, foggy, razor-laced slope of bad advice is almost irresistible. Or no advice or weird support for bad decisions. No intervention, no feedback, no running your dick up against the wall of reality, right? Mm. Right. You splinter that spear on the shield called the state, which is what happens when you have children with unstable women. But if your mom doesn't know that women can be uh, evil and manipulative and violent and destructive and vengeful and all of that stuff, just as men can be, but we know that about men. Men can be dicks. Women can be complete Oh, gosh. What's the acronym? See you next Tuesday. Well, but women can be complete horrors. And men need to be protected against the dangers of women so that they can find good, honorable women to have children with. I'm just tired. I'm so tired of seeing men get smashed up against the well-armed patriarchal vanity and hypogamy of women. It is literally like a vagina firing squad, men just getting hauled up and hauled up and blindfolded. Bang! Down goes another one. Bang! Down goes another one. And you don't even get a cigarette. It's just this conveyor belt of dicks to be milked, ripped off from the testicles, frozen and stabbed through the heart of men from here to eternity. It is horrifying to see the carnage of masculinity that is occurring in the world these days. On the plus side, it's pussy, not war. So, you know, you don't get drafted. You have a, a chance, right? But it is just horrendous. And not helping children, and I'm, you know, this is all equally applicable to women. But I'm just talking to the men here. If you don't have parents who are helping you to understand that the world is full of some very fucking dangerous people, all of whom know how to use the state, and the degree to which the state favors women these days and crucifies men is terrifying. Is terrifying. Women plus the state have turned into a, a giant testicle masher for the future heroes of the species who never come into being. And I'm incredibly sorry. You are, of course, an instructive example. I hope that the younger men out there are, like, getting some cold pricks of sweat <laughs> in their hands. I would hope so. And on that note, um, yeah, I didn't think a condom was necessary because she said she was on birth control. Right. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, women, like, women will lie. Uh, and I've got a whole presentation called The Future of Violence. Is that what, what Mike? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Mike, I know you're typing. What, um, what's the one about? The Truth About Violence. The Facts Will Shock You. Yeah, the Truth About Violence. The Facts Will Shock You. You can see it on YouTube. Um, if you can pull up these statistics, uh, it's near the end of Women and Lying Mike and read them out. I'll just fill it till you, till you get there. But the degree to which women as a whole have no problem 
with lying and manipulation. Look, they are the weaker sex, and they are the more dependent sex. So they've not developed weapons of war or dominance. They've developed weapons of lying and manipulation. doesn't mean all women use it in the same way that not all men are violent, but women have an innate and well-bred capacity for deception, which is why some statistics say one out of ten families has a kid in it that's not the father's, and the woman is, she lies, and she just keeps going on with this lie. I think for men, it would drive you insane. Like if, if the protagonist of crime and punishment was a woman, <laughs> she'd never go back to the scene of the crime. But um, yeah, the degree to which women will accept lie. And the funny thing is, so the researchers who do this, right? There's some female researchers who've worked on this, women having sex with other men, and then lying about it to their husbands. And they say, when we put out these numbers, men are all shocked. But the women are like, oh, yeah, I can totally believe that. Oh, I got some numbers here, Steph, actually. Yeah, go ahead. Um, About one in ten children are not fathered by the man who appears on their birth certificate. Oh, yeah, not one in ten families, one in ten children. Yeah. According to a recent study in New Hampshire, as many as 30% of those paying child support are not the biological fathers of the children being supported. Nice. One in 25 children are conceived with more than one man's sperm in the mother. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Scrub. laughs> the American Association of Blood Banks reports that 30% of the men who suspect they are not biological fathers are right. And in now, the UK, a little further along. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, in the UK, it's illegal to get a paternity test without the mother and child's permission. Right. 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 Now, a little further on, there's the number of women who will lie about paternity and the number of women who don't consider it bad at all to lie about these uh, kinds of things. I don't know if you can find that. It's a slide or two forward from there. I've, I think I remember the numbers, but I'm not positive, and I don't want to have to correct this uh, later. I'm looking. Oh, here's one interesting. Uh, between 30 and 50% of women cheat on their partners, said uh, Dr. Lipton, a psychiatrist at the Swedish Medical Center in Washington. But the good news is that it's all the men's fault. It's because, you see, when a man cheats, you know, he's bad. But when a woman cheats, it's because she's lonely and misunderstood and her husband is not providing her what she needs. So the, on the plus side, although women do these terrible things, it's never their fault because, you know, they are essentially reactive children according to this mythology. But go ahead. Um, I'll just read the whole slide because there's a lot of interesting stuff on here. Um, 19 out of 20 women admit lying to their partners or husbands. A survey on attitudes to truth in relationships has found. 83% owned up to telling big, life-changing lies, with 13% saying they did so frequently. Half said that if they became pregnant by another man but wanted to stay with their partner, they would lie about the baby's real father. Mm, half of them. And that's half who would admit to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's self-reported half. Yeah, that's self-reported uh, half. Forty-two percent would lie about contraception in order to get pregnant, no matter the wishes of their partner. Forty-two percent will rape. Fundamentally, lying about contraception to get pregnant is worse than rape because it goes on and on and on for like twenty years. Yeah, and forty percent of women will economically and legally rape a man for 20 years and feel perfectly justified and fine doing it. And uh, an interesting statistic for those, since we were just on a conversation about casual sex, and an alarming 31% said they would not tell a future partner if they had a sexual disease. This rises to 65% among single women. So, yes, this is what I'm talking about. Women are incredibly dangerous. 
right? And I talked earlier about the dangers of men, right? So I'm being balanced here. Single woman is 65% likely that she will not tell you if she has some dick-rotting genital disease. 65%. Don't play those odds, my brothers. Do not play those odds. It looks like an inviting pussy, most likely to be a squalid cesspit of squalid infestation. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're going to pull, you're going to pull it, push in a dick with one head and going to pull out a dick with two heads that's talking to you saying, God, don't put me back in there. Oh my God, I can't see. I'm coughing up soot and acid. Ah! The cat doth scratch with rotted claws. So, yeah, I mean, this is dangerous. 40% of women will lie about contraception in order to get pregnant. Because getting pregnant for women is winning the lottery. It used to be losing everything. Now it's like winning the lottery. She gets free shit for the rest of her life. And the man is held down by the thugs of the state with a gun pressed to his fucking wallet and his balls. Saying, cough up everything you've got for 20 or so years. And the woman is never held accountable for her lies. Right? A man is presumed guilty until proven innocent in many ways, in questions of sexual assault. A woman is not only presumed innocent, there's never any question of guilt. I mean, I bet you could have a woman recorded on your cell phone saying she's on birth control, and then she gets pregnant, too fucking bad. The government will hold you down and take your wallet out through your ass for the next couple of decades. Right? This is the modern draft. We are no longer drafted for warmongers, we are drafted for the irresponsible wombs of false women. So be careful. Be careful. If you're going in, triple bag it. Like, bag it to the point where you can't even feel a thing and then realize that you basically might as well be sawing wood. <laughs> and then don't do it. Hold out. Hold out for something better. Don't, don't sell yourself so cheaply, man. Hold out for a great woman. I've made the mistake both ways. I speak from experience. I speak from experience. The upcoming book on <laughs> stuff to yell at your penis is, is hard-won experience. I dated the wrong women. And uh, found, thank the planets above, found the right woman. And the difference, I can't even tell you. I like the difference between Virtue and vice in terms of living and loving is so staggering. There is no greater gap from the toes to the forehead of the universe. There is no bigger gap than a good woman and a bad woman. And yeah, I know bad women come from bad relationships and they grow up without dads and I am sympathetic. But... I'm saying to the men, for God's sakes, for the Lord's sake above, for the sake of Zeus's intact foreskin, for God's sakes, do not have any kind of unprotected sex unless you are actively trying to have a child with the best woman in the known universe that you've ever met. Do not do it. Do not trust the woman. If she says she's infertile, do not trust the woman. If she says she knows for sure there's no egg there, do not trust the woman. 
of women will lie. That's worse odds than Russian roulette. And some men prefer death to continuing through the legal process. There's a man recently set fire to himself and burnt to a crisp on the steps of a family court. Some men kill themselves rather than continue being wallet-raped by the state and her legion of beta-male thugs. It is worse odds than Russian roulette, but at least with Russian roulette, it's over quickly. This just makes you pray for death. I just pulled something up, Steph. Um, 5% of all suicides are related to child support. Yeah. And did you also know that more women, more mothers are in arrears for child support statistically than men, like in terms of percentage? Of course, more men pay child support, but more women are in arrears percentage-wise for child support than men. But, of course, you never hear about deadbeat mothers. Oh, oh, these perfect angels of women, always victimized, never liars, never raping husbands with forcing him to raise children from another man, never running to the state to get what they cannot get through negotiation. These perfect, virtuous, little pussy cloud angels, never doing anything wrong, always victims. Oh, so oppressed, so oppressed, no capacity for evil. You know, they, a study just came out. 30% of parents say that they have hit their baby in the past month. And that's just the people who admit it, and that's just in the past month. But they made sure to say it was mothers and fathers. But we all know it's mostly moms. Moms are the overwhelming majority of stay-at-home parents. But we always have to put men in there just to balance it out. 30% of women will hit babies. Are you kidding me? This is the fairest sex? Dear God. Anyway, sorry, my friend, to go on the rant. Right. But <laughs> your question is, how can you help your 11-year-old son? Um, yeah, well, basically, at this point in time, I only have contact with him over the phone. Um, and why is that? I recently pushed through a divorce, and see, I raised my child until I was eight a conflict with the state in which they had no determination of abuse and yet nonetheless transferred him to his mother uh, occurred at that point and I was told falsely as it turns out that I couldn't have him without supervision by the time I so discovered that's, sorry that's because your ex-wife accused you of abuse right as far as I know, it was not her that did so. It had more well, wait, to wait. Do who with else? Who else could accuse you of abuse? His teacher. His teacher at school wanted me to put him on medication, and I wasn't down with that. So, let me guess. Let me guess. Was his teacher at school perhaps a woman? 
No, actually. Oh, was she a man? I'm sorry, was, was she a man? I don't yes, know if she she's halfway in between. Was she a hermaphrodite? So it was a man? Yes. Wow. Unusual. Unusual. But, all right, we go with the facts. So your son was raised by you. Uh, where yes. was his mom during this time? Um, okay, when we first separated, I left her when our son was about a year old. And from that point, we began trading him on a fairly weekly basis. Also, she became immediately, like, as soon as I left, she was immediately pregnant with another child. So that's, you know, a pattern. Anyway, uh, so we began trading him back and forth on a weekly basis. But and more so and more, what was the financial arrangement? Uh, we would each pay for his needs when we were caring for him. Oh, so she was working? No, she was collecting uh, SSD. Social, Social Security, Security Disability? disability? Right. Why, why the D? Mental health. Oh, so she was classified as mentally ill? Yes. Did this occur before you impregnated her? Yes. And did you notice before you had sex with her? Yes. Right. Okay. But she seems so rational. And... I'm sorry? <laughs> she, uh, I interpreted her as being normal and healthy in my interactions. I wasn't a very good judge of what normal and healthy was, but... That's well, no, but you see, it, there's two possibilities, right? So either she is crazy or she's not crazy, but she's milking the system, in which case she's horrible, right? Yeah. Well, I met a, met a guy the other day. I was, chatting with, I was chatting with a guy while waiting for a bus the other day, and he was telling me that, you know, oh, I've been on disability for like the last 20 years, and he was like heading to the beach. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? You can go to the beach, and you know he looked fit and tanned, relaxed, healthy, and it's like, so you can head to the beach. I said, you don't look that disabled. He's like, yeah, you know, it comes and goes. You know, I take a pain pill every morning. It's my back and all that. Like, so you you can't type. You can't. I mean, well, it gets uncomfortable. Right? <laughs> or whatever, right? I mean, come on, come on. But uh, okay, so so basically, she wasn't paying. She, the, the, the the taxpayers were paying, the men were paying, the good women were paying. Uh, but did you have a job, or you were you also taking government, or were well, you also taking taxpayer money? I took a job immediately after I left her, but I lost that job after three months. So from that point, I was looking for a job, wasn't able to find one, and I became very depressed. And I pretty much lived on my family's good graces entirely until uh, the later year when one of the neighbors took me down to the local state office and convinced me to sign up for food stamps. So from that point, I was getting food stamps, doing odd jobs, and making somewhat of a living that way. In the meantime, she was creating 
evermore chaos. Uh, to the point where it was becoming extremely stressful to myself and my son. Now, eventually, I ended up having someone convince me to go on welfare, and I ended Wait, up Wait, sorry, getting... I just missed that part. You said eventually, what happened with welfare? Okay, well... No, did, you don't have to explain it. I just, the audio cut out for a sec. Just repeat it. Okay, um, yeah, someone helped me to get on welfare. Uh, Why is that not your choice? Why are you saying someone helped you get on food stamps, someone helped you get on welfare? I don't understand. Why, why does someone else have anything to do with it? It's your choice, right? Ultimately, yes. What do you mean ultimately? <laughs> what is there uh, that's not ultimate about you having moral agency? In both cases, I had to be convinced that it was a good idea, but I did. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Look, I'm willing to be sympathetic with you and the woman, but don't give me someone talked me into food stamps and welfare and therefore, right? Ultimately, I guess is my decision, but they had to talk me into it. No, it's your decision. Come on. You want to help your son? This is how you help your son, which is you own your decisions. And with all sympathy to where you came from and lack of parenting and bullshit dad and crappy mom, all of that, right? But please, don't tell me that it's somebody else's fault that you're on welfare. Yeah, well, in reflection, I I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. I really... No, 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 no. This is not hindsight. This is what you're telling me right yes. now. And this hindsight is about 10 seconds from when I started talking to you about this or calling you on it. This is what you're telling me right now, that other people convinced you to do this stuff. Right. And I'm telling you, you asked me how to help your son. Don't model this bullshit, right? Don't model this while other people talked me into this major life decision, right? Why did you lose your job? Be honest. Why did you lose your job? Well... It's hard to say exactly other than, you know, clearly I wasn't the most stellar employee, but I think a lot of it had to do with I didn't fit into the place socially, and that got picked up on by the plant manager. It's hard to sort out exactly the details other than I could have taken it more seriously, and that certainly would have helped. What does that mean? You mean you didn't work hard? Oh, I did, but I didn't go particularly above and beyond. I kind I of mean, people tend not as... to get sorry, people tend not to get fired if they're making money for their employers. That's just a basic economic equation, right? Right. Well, I certainly wasn't in any vital position in the company. No, that's not what I said. If you were making money for your employer, then you get to keep your job. Assuming that, you know, the company's not going out of business or whatever. What was the position in the plant? Just a floor hand moving. Oh, what now? I don't know what that means. Like sweeping? No, uh, doing whatever I'm told, uh, 
largely I was on ovens where I would be removing pieces of glass, putting them on racks and whatnot. So manual labor. Yeah. All right. What would you say your intelligence is? Uh, no, a frank self-assessment. It's important, right? Um, well, if I take an intelligence test, I score sub-genius. So not quite genius. Because you, you're operating with the economic efficiency of somebody who has an IQ of about 80, right. in my opinion. And how old are you? I am at this point, I just turned 31. And are you still on welfare? No. Oh, good. Okay. So you're working? Uh, looking for work currently. Okay. Got it. Got it. All right. So children are empirical. They don't care what you say. They don't care what you say. They only care what you do. I can be looking at and nodding at my daughter and thinking about something else. And she can say, Daddy, are you even listening? Even though I'm looking at her and nodding her. It's not common. It's not often. But it happens, right? And she knows when I have stopped listening, even if I'm looking and nodding, right? Mm, yes. So your son is going to model your life empirically. Now, parents always, you know, this old bullshit that parents say, do as I say, not as I do. You have to have a life that your son can respect. Now, you already have big problems with your son's respect because you married his mom or you had a kid with his mom, right? And I can't imagine he's all happy about being in that situation, right? So you already have a huge hole to dig yourself out of when it comes to earning your son's respect. If you have the respect of people around you, your relationships will be easy. If you do not have the respect of people around you, your relationships will be endlessly difficult and endlessly complicated. Mike, how, how would you say our working relationship, if not our friendship, is facilitated by mutual respect? 100%. It's an uh, <laughs> interesting question. Sorry, I was a little tied up in the chat room here. I wasn't uh, focusing 100% on the conversation. But no, I mean, our, our relationship is 100% focused and possible because of mutual respect. You know, if we give each other feedback and it carries significant weight because of that respect and that credibility that's been built up through uh, not, not just words, but actions and behaviors over the course of many years. Yeah, respect is efficiency, right? I mean, yeah. you always say, like, I set you up something, you knock it out of the park. Like, I do crazy <laughs> shit like going on the Alex Jones show, being <laughs> in a live studio, being broadcast with no topics for two hours. <laughs> you know, with Alex Jones, who what is What do you not, think about you know, Ukraine? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about hyp hypochondria, uh, mitochondria, uh, Epstein-Barr. Let's go with another topic, right? I mean, he's, he's a great guy in many ways, but, you know, a challenging conversationalist, let's say, in his show and lots of commercials. I don't know when the hell they're coming up and all that. So, I mean, but just, you know, you, you get through it, right? And, you know, you set me up with Joe Rogan, uh, who was, uh, you know, somebody you liked and respected, and I can certainly understand why. 
And, you know, you just, you know that I'm going to do a good job in, in these conversations. If you didn't, like, you know, if half the time I got weird and aggressive, you'd be like, ooh, I don't know, who can I, who can I put him up with? <laughs> Who's, you know, whatever, right? I think I've got it down to 10% weird and aggressive. 10% weird, 12% aggressive. But, um, but that respect, right? I mean, I, I hugely respect, as I've said publicly and privately, I mean, the work that you're doing to grow the show is magnificent, magnificent. And, you know, where we've, um, you know, where we've done some things that are sort of counterproductive, like you recently sent out an email saying, hey, look how well the show is doing. And we think that they may have resulted in a rush of subscription cancellations because people are like, great, they don't need me anymore. <laughs> so I guess I don't need to donate blood if nobody's lying on the highway half broken. But, um, but you know, I, you know, there's no blame. It's we both decide, we both agree and, you know, we both accept the consequences. And, you know, if we want to change stuff, we want to change stuff. But... I don't think that there's ever been, you know, I, I hugely respect what you're doing. You respect what I'm doing. It just makes things so much easier, right? And where there's no respect, I mean, things just get endlessly complicated. Oh, yeah. It's impossible to get anything done if there's no respect. The efficiency that you mentioned is extremely important. So you want, as particularly when your son is going into his teenage years, you need yeah. your son to respect you. You need your son to respect you. And yeah. as I say, you've got... A big problem, right? You you married his mom, food stamps, like serious, catastrophic, heartbreaking underachievement. I mean, am I wrong or am I right about your life? Subgenius. Yeah, that is yes. And a massive underachievement. Like heartbreaking, pissing gold off the side of a bridge into a into the Mariana Trench kind of underachievement, right? Absolutely. Right. So that you have to fix. I mean, you have to fix it for yourself, of course, right? Yes. And it doesn't have anything to do with money or anything like that. It's not completely unrelated to money. But um, you have a challenging road ahead of you to become the kind of man that your son wants to become. Yes. Right? I mean, it's like that... <laughs> Uh, monkey or baboon or whatever it is in the Jungle Book. I want to be like you. <laughs> I want to walk like you, talk like you. Oh, yeah. Give me the secret of man's red fire. <laughs> right? I mean, he wants the fire and he respects the fire. He fears the fire. He wants to be like men who control fire. Right? Right. I so envy. I can give him whatever good yeah, I envy what Mike I can do. I envy what Mike can do. I envy what my wife can do. I envy... Uh, you know, my daughter the other day was saying, Daddy, I, I, I want to be you, right? And we talked about it for a while, and I said, well, I, I want to be you too <laughs> sometimes. And she's like, well, what do you mean? Because all she sees is all the things that I can do that she can't, right? Because I'm bigger or whatever, right? And, so, and, and it's also, but it's more than that. It's sort of fundamental. So she wants to be me, and I want to be her. And I said, well, you're, you're having a lot happier childhood than I had, and <laughs> I envy that, you know? And, and my wife's Staggering competence with a wide variety of things. It just amazes me. I'm, I don't know, Mike, would you say somewhat specialized? Uh, somewhat. <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> I'm like a koala and there's like one eucalyptus tree in the whole world. <laughs> and I can't stray far from it. Philosophy shows and tablets. Specializations for Stefan Mullen. <laughs> right. Ooh, philosophy of tablet shows. Wait, no, no. Let's just put that on the back Restraint. burner. Restraint. Restraint? No, but I mean, that's the specialization that Absolutely. sort of occurs, right? And, and the growth and the quality of the show and the growth and the productivity of the show is because 
Mike can do better some of the stuff that I used to do because it was just me. So, so I think you need to find some way to achieve the kind of life that your son will say, damn, that's some good stuff, right? Now, right now, your son is like, if I end up like dad, yeah, what's he going to say? Yeah, that would be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, like, holy shit. This dad is like this, don't, don't be like my parents. You know, my parents were like this big giant sign that says, if you go this way, you'll want to blow your own head off with a double-barreled shotgun, right? That my, do not enter. Do not go this way. My, you know, there's this old funny poster about a ship sinking saying could be the only purpose of your life is to serve as a warning to others don't be that guy right don't be the guy who says because your son is going to look to you for advice and your son is going to look for you for modeling your son is going to look for you for how to live and how to be and what to do lots of complex challenging moral decisions among a treacherous and false filled and std ridden planet of (laughs) men and women and he's going to need some guidance and He's not going to take diet advice from the fat guy. And so yeah. where is he going to go for his advice? For his um, mom, if he can't get it from you. He I'm certainly can't get it from his mom. Any right? other good role models that he has right now. So I mean, he uh he'll find it somewhere. Yeah, well he'll find it with bad people, right? More than likely. If there's if there's a hole in your advice tube, it gets filled by con men and con women, right? Right. Well, why do people turn to politicians for solving life's problems? Like, I'm reading a book by Andrew Young called The Politician, and inside is a account of John Edwards' pursuit of the presidency and the scandal that brought him down. And, you know, John Edwards is out there. I mean, it's embarrassing just how vapid all this political emptiness is. Like he spends a whole day with advisors figuring out his run for president. And at the end of it, one of, his, one of his advisors say, well, why should I vote for you? What can you bring to the table that no one else can? What is your vision? And he has no clue. Like he wants this office because, I don't know, maybe he thinks he'll look pretty on a postage stamp. But he has no clue why or what he has to offer. And he just gets really angry at the guy who asks him this question, right? And so why is it that, and, and he goes out, John Edwards goes out and gives all these speeches. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to be in the guy in Washington fighting for middle-class America, fighting to restore the American dream. Wrestling with the aardvarks of lobbyists. <laughs> Tangling with the squid insects of special interest groups. For you, for you. Why the hell would anyone want a father figure to fight for them? Because they've grown up with father figures who did not fight for them. Or with them or instruct them. Why is it the state kills the family, the death of the family results in adulation of the state? Women need the state because they keep choosing shitty men. And their kids got to eat. And their kids need dental work. So, hey, Obamacare. Right? Force all the bachelors to pay for the products of fertile, stupid loins. And so why is it that people need these con men, these priests, these politicians, these leaders, these figureheads? Why do they need all these people? Because they've got no one in life telling them how to live, no one whose example they want to follow. And so they pray to every silver-tongued bullshit slinger who walks on a podium in high heels, men or women, right? 
This is why we have a hunger for celebrity. This is why the number one thing that British kids want to be when they grow up is famous. Because those people are models of how to live because they don't have anything else. Don't put your son in that position, right? Don't put your son in the position where he's basically going to have to fall back on bullshit artists. I mean, who wants to tell you how to live who's not your parent? Someone who wants to exploit you. Who wants to tell you how to be? I mean, fucking Gap ads and J. Crew catalogs and all that shit. Be square, George, and mostly white and hang out on a dock with supermodels. That looks fun. Be a beer commercial because we want you to buy beer. Like these clothes so that we can give you what your father didn't in the form of fabric. Right, and at the age that he's at, he's just starting to become attenuated to that sort of thing also. Yeah, I turned to Ayn Rand because I had no instructors. And then when I found that Ayn Rand was not the woman that she claimed to be or the women she portrayed in her novels at all, well, shouldn't say at all, but mostly, it was literally devastating to me. I still remember the first time I read Judgment Day by Nathaniel Brandon. We got a peek behind the stilted smoky curtain of her 1920s movie style prose and saw the woman herself. I felt devastated. And it was a great philosophical moment for me. It was the fall of idols, which is the growth of individuation. Right? When you accept that fundamentally there's no one who's not your family who can instruct you in any fundamental manner, that is when you start to grow up. Right? You must still be looking for someone to guide you. You must still be looking for the parenting that you did not get. Otherwise, you would not be such a tragic underachiever. And you're telling me that when you say, so-and-so convinced me too. Are you kidding me? You're sub-genius and some idiot on the street is going to say, get food stamps, and you're like, hey, sounds great. <laughs> right? It's because you're still looking for guidance. And because you're right. looking for guidance, you cannot provide guidance. You will yeah. never get the parenting you needed. You will never get a better father. Your dad is not ever coming back. He's never showing up. You will never receive the kind of instruction that you needed to achieve. And with that comes great pain and great opportunity. There are no roads where we are going, which means we can go wherever the fuck we want. There are no charts. There are no maps. Nothing that a bullshit-ridden history has to provide will guide us in any way. There are no stars with which to sail these ships. There's barely any gravity on the ocean itself. We rise and float with the water droplets themselves, heading into the future in unfathomable and unguessable ways, guided only by the principles of reason and evidence, which is the only true navigation available to our species, or any species for that matter. You will never ever, 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 ever receive the instruction that you needed. You can be grateful that the, quote, instruction that you did receive was so obvious crap that you can discard it without looking back. Right? Yeah, but well, you I've need certainly to, learned a lot. Well, and the fact that you had no instruction means that you can learn more easily through reason and evidence. So if you never learned anything about Mandarin, you can learn Mandarin quite easily, right? 
But if somebody taught you Mandarin badly, or half taught you Mandarin, or 70% taught you Mandarin right, and then 30% of it was just made up wrong nonsense, it would actually be harder to learn Mandarin. Yeah, having you'd have terrible to parents. All of the bad yeah, because you've got to unlearn all of the crap that you learned that was not true. And the fact that you learned it while thinking it was all true means it's even worse. And you've got to separate what's true and what's not. Keep the good, get rid of the bad. I was limited as a tennis player because I did not have any lessons in tennis for the first five years I played. And then I took lessons and I was like, damn, <laughs> I got to unlearn some bad habits and learn them better, right? Mm. So you have the capacity for originality and clear thinking because everything it sounds like that you were taught was wrong and every example you had was horrendous. So you can clear all that shit off. You can erase the entire fucking page and face that snowy white blank slate of opportunistic horror we call true free choice, true free will, true self-determination. You know, they say writing is easy. You just stare at a blank page until beads of blood form on your forehead. Well, it's not quite that bad. The challenge is not the drawing. The challenge is the erasing. Right? But you have had such terrible examples from your history, my friend. You can rip that whole page off, throw it in the fucking fire, rip the next five pages off so there aren't even any impressions of the obscenity scrawled in the graffiti from your history, and you can start blank, new, freshly invented, popped out from the womb of processed grief straight into the opportunities of a clear future. But you have to accept that you will never, ever get the instruction that you needed and grieve that. Right? You're still looking for people to instruct you on how to live, and you're getting shitty advice. Go on food stamps. Go on welfare. Come on. You know that's bad advice. And don't try yes. and pass it off to me as other people talk to me into it and then say, but I'm a subgenius. <laughs> but other people can talk me into things. Well, then you're not a subgenius, right? It's not a very efficient use of my mind. Well, all right. You can give me the understatement of the year if you want. But that tells me that you're still not processing the horror of your squandered opportunity, right? How the hell do you live every day knowing what potential you have, knowing what intelligence you have, and doing what? What are you doing with your day? Well, at this point, I am trying to pursue my next career, and hopefully I won't bail out of it like I have my previous. Oh, my God. Are you three. still saying hopefully? Like no, you cross your point. fingers and hope point. that I, uh, something good happens to you? Dear God, a man a alive, can you're make, a sub-genius, you're 31 years old, make something happen! Don't give yourself point. this hopefully bullshit. Now, see, I appreciate that you point out the bullshit that I speak, though, because I don't really have a whole lot of people in my life to do that for me. Oh, I know. I know. I know. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> You, in fact, you have people telling you the other stuff. Don't yeah, cross right. your fingers about your own life. It's your life. You don't cross the two fingers together. You raise your index finger to the bullshit of the world. Fuck the bullshit of the world. Fuck the lack of instruction of children. Fuck assholes who run out of their kids because they use the word funky. 
Hey, it's just too funky in here. Gotta abandon my kids and head for the road, right? Don't. Fuck all that. You had shitty instruction. I'm incredibly sorry for that. You're 31 years old. You have a very enormous brain plum sitting on top of your spinal fluid. Milk that fucker for some money and prestige. And don't, hopefully I'll do this and hopefully I'll do that. What are you, a leaf in a stream? You're a subgenius. Work some fucking willpower. Say to yourself, I am going to get something and I'm going to keep it. And I'm going to work for it. Yeah, I don't really have much of an excuse for not figuring it out. But you do because you're using them. People talk to me into it. I hope, I hope, I hope. I hope that I don't screw it up. Hey, I've got an idea. Don't fucking screw it up. Just don't let you, don't give yourself that option. Don't give yourself that possibility. Hey, you know what I said about this show? It is not going to fail. It is not going to fail. Because it's not up to me whether this show succeeds or fails. I don't have the option of failing. Because the kind of communicator who can translate complex philosophical ideas into emotionally actionable to-do lists for people is so rare that they come along every couple of hundred years if humanity is lucky. I don't have the choice to fail. I don't have the option to fail. Not because I want to be front and center in the moral progress of the species, but because the moral progress of the species is absolutely essential and because I have a child. Failure is not an option, which means I have to do whatever it takes to make this show succeed. I have to be as honest and provoke as much discontent and disagreement with people sometimes as is absolutely necessary. This is not my horse to ride. This is not my career to pursue. This is what is necessary for the world. This is what is necessary so children don't get hit and half of penis skin doesn't get slashed off for babies. This is what is necessary so that good people achieve their goals and bad people get fucked. This show is really about bad people getting fucked and good people getting successful. Right? In the same way that my cancer treatment was about cancer cells getting fucked and good cells not, right? I know there was a bit of an overlap. The metaphor is not perfect. But you, and the reason I'm telling you this is not so you understand my show and my motivation. You know, it's the Bob Marley thing. You know, in one of his songs, he says, I am playing for mankind. I am playing for mankind. One love. I... I'm speaking for mankind. I'm speaking for the future. I have to be as good at what I'm doing to save lives, to save childhoods, to reduce criminality, to increase the quality of human bonding, to bring people close to each other, and to keep fucked up dangerous people away from good people. I am the ring of fire to protect the fragile plant of virtue in the world. And there is no limit to what I will do to spread this conversation. There's an old statement of Churchill's. 
when he was asked about Stalin. He said, well, Hitler is invading Russia, so Stalin is my ally, basically. He said, if Hitler invaded hell itself, I would find something good to say about the devil. So there is nothing that I will not do to get this conversation into as many ears as humanly possible. I have my mission. Your mission is the empirical instruction of your son. Do you understand? Yes, that sounds very reasonable. <laughs> Do I say, I really hope that this show does well? No. No. This show is going to succeed because this is what the world absolutely desperately and completely needs for its own survival. Governments have nuclear weapons. I better have some good fucking reasons behind what I'm saying. Governments have the military-industrial complex. They have semi-private fascistic prisons. They have hundreds of millions of men at arms willing to slaughter whoever their leaders point at. So I better bring my best game to this fight. Parents have a Bible telling them, spare the rod and spoil the child, so I better bring the best experts and the best data to this fight because I'm kind of outnumbered. I'm kind of outspent. John Edwards raised $7.5 million in a couple of months for a presidential bid. How long do you think it will take for this show to raise $7.5 million? Well, pretty much infinity. Mormons give 10% of their money to their church. Gross, not net. 10% of their money. Jews give massive amounts of money to their synagogues. Governments get trillions of dollars by force and counterfeiting. So I'm kind of outspent, which means my arguments to succeed better be stronger than armies with nuclear weapons. They better have deeper pockets of empiricism and rationality than the trillions of dollars funneled into religion, not to mention the indoctrination of children. So you don't have an option to fail. Because you had the son, and the son is alive, and you cannot undo that. That is a fact of reality. Your willpower must be as strong a set of physics as that which you cannot dismiss from your life. So, no, failure with regards to the empirical instruction of your son is not an option. That's what I'm telling you. Well, thank you. So, I'm afraid we do have to move on. I hope you'll get a chance to uh, drop us a line. Uh, you can email michaeloperations at freedomainradio.com just to let us know how it's going. I really do care for you to get stuff that you want for your life and for your father, sorry, for your son to get the kind of father that you didn't have. So do get us, do drop us a line if you can. Let us know how it goes. All righty. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Up next today is David. And David writes in an interesting uh, question on top of the conversations we've already had. He says, I am a pickup artist. How do we say that this is unacceptable in our modern culture, considering how ridiculous women treat the dating process? 
Go ahead, All right. David. Go ahead, David. Make the case. Hello. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I've been a uh, fan for a couple Ooh, of David, years. David, hang on. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You're really good. You know that's my hand on your leg, right? Uh, he said coyly, tossing his hair back and batting his eyes. But go ahead. Okay. I would interrupt again, promise. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I uh, just want to say I've been a, a fan for a couple of years and in, uh, enjoyed your show and uh, have certainly learned a lot and changed my perspective on life and, uh, and, and so forth in a lot of different ways. But um, anyway, uh, so I heard your podcast a couple of months back. Uh, you had some scorn, so to speak, about the, uh, the, the kind of the pickup artist mentality in the, in the world. Uh, and just, I thought I'd have a conversation with you just to, you know, kind of let you know we're not all bad people and it's not a grand scheme to kind of, Hey, wait, 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 don't you stop manipulating me, brother. When did I say <laughs> the pickup artists were bad people? Well, uh, well, I, I tell you what, I actually wanted to review that podcast and I thought I was coming on the show on April 6th. So I didn't have a good chance to research it, but but anyway, I I'm, I'm uh, you, you, if you if you, you I mean if you want to accuse me of something bad, that's fine. I mean, I'm no problem. It's not like I can't say anything wrong or bad. But that's not. I didn't say they're bad people. I, I I don't. Bad is one of these philosophically imprecise terms that's just an invitation to self attack and guilt on the part of its recipients. Ooh, you're bad. It's like naughty. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> uh, but uh, so bad is not something that I would use in, in a philosophy show. Uh, as any sort of judgment or any sort of precise um, language. So just so you know, I know what I would not say, and I would not say that they were all bad. So um, now if you felt that way, that's one thing, but that tells you a lot more about yourself than me. Yeah, sure, sure. And I I apologize. I didn't craft my words, you know, in the best right. way possible probably. Um, but uh, anyway, so uh, I guess my explanation of being a pickup artist is that it's just a skill set that's learned in order to kind of interact with women in the world and, and uh, just be involved in the dating process. Um, I was always the, quote, nice guy growing up. I came from a good family or what I think was a good family. And oh, so you got friend zoned a lot, right? I'm sorry? You got friend zoned a lot? Friend zoned a lot. Exactly. Yeah. That was my experience growing up through junior high and high school and so forth. And uh, just the frustrations of coming through, just, you know, feeling like, okay, I think I'm a good guy. Why are these So let women... me, sorry to drop, but let, let me sort of, so if I understand this, for those who haven't spent time in the friend zone, basically what happens is women will say basically the following to you. My, my, my boyfriend, he's such a pig. He doesn't listen to me. He he doesn't do nice things for me. He just wants me to come over for booty calls. I, why don't why isn't he nicer to me? I mean, you're a nice guy. Why can't he be like you but fuckable? Exactly. <laughs> right. So they complain about their boyfriends um, and say they can't find a nice guy while watching romantic comedies and crying about guys who pursue women who pursue all the wrong men or men who pursue all the wrong women, and then say, oh. The whole time I was looking, he was right there in front of me. <laughs> right. And, and the, the friend zones are basically saying, you know, friends can come with penises, right? You know, friends can come with sex, right? You don't have to be treated like garbage uh, by the alpha male in order to be turned on. And then the weird thing is that we want to sleep with women who are only turned on by asshole alphas, and then we complain about their judgment. But anyway, okay, go ahead. 
Exactly. Yes. Yes. So I, you know, being part of the pickup artist community, as I call it, is um, something that's taught me a lot of social skills and being able to interact in a what I learned to be a more healthier way in dating. Yes, I have dated a lot of women. I've had two very long uh, term relationships, uh, you know, three and four years apiece, uh, and very successful relationships. <laughs> Uh, but but anyway, I guess I just uh, wanted sorry. What to, do you hang on? What do you mean? Um, what do you mean by successful at relationships? Well, uh, they were successful. Uh, I guess I guess to my standards at the time, it was a very positive relationship for the most part. And then the relationship ended, and that re- the ending of the relationship was not a positive experience. I'll say that. Yeah, and I just I really wanted to point out too. Somebody mentioned that the chat room is a very painful topic. The the friend zone. Do you know, I mean, it's so funny, right? It's like women complain about men a lot. It's like, well, stop fucking the idiots then. Men are brutes. Hey, I've got an idea. Stop screwing brutes. Well, no. I mean, they are brutes, but that's what makes me get tingly. (laughs) I mean, it's like women could change the planet tomorrow. You know, cross your (laughs) loins until a guy of virtue and quality comes along and then screw him senseless. And hey, look, no more war, <laughs> right? No more criminals, right? Just date nice guys. Date nice guys and hey, you know, no problem. Stop banging the patriarchy for its patriarchal qualities and then complain about the patriarchy. Anyway, I just sort of <laughs> mentioned that, right? Exactly. That's, that's how I feel about the process. And those are the, the, certainly the frustrations that probably a majority of the pickup artists would 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 you know uh, you know agree with? Uh, I'm sure there's some people out there with ill intentions and so forth. But it's uh, amongst my circle of friends that I, I live with, we have they're really a solid uh, uh, group of people um, with the best of intentions. Let's just say. So, okay, so let's get to. Um... Uh, well, the question was, uh, you know, I, I guess that was just me throwing out the question, but uh, on a side note, all the statistics and so forth um, earlier that Mike spoke about, uh, empirically, my field experience, let's just so to say, I, I agree with those completely. So just me being a pickup artist, I've probably approached three to probably 3,000 women, let's just say. And that doesn't mean I've had anything to do with 3,000 women. Um, that's me learning social skills. Otherwise, you'd be you'd be calling I from like be, the Woody I'd Allen intensive ward of viral STDs. But okay, so go on. Exactly. But this is the realization that uh, you know you approach women and you don't know if they're single, you don't know if they're married, and I'm not going you know after a married woman. I'm not going after a woman with a boyfriend. So you know you approach ten women and maybe one of them gives your phone number. And then you, you, you pursue that relationship. But it's, uh, No, no, no. Uh, You're a pickup artist. You're not pursuing a relationship, right? Oh, well, I mean, relationship, whether it is a relationship in the short term or, rela- or if you decide to be in a relationship in the long term with that woman. Because the ultimate goal for myself and really most pickup artists is to find a woman who is a uh, 
good worm, a good woman. I know that's a bad term. Oh, not, come on, come I'm on! Not, no, you can't I'm expect me to believe sure. that. No, 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 no! no I got to interrupt. I got to interrupt. And tell me if I'm wrong. But aren't you find? Aren't you looking to find a woman who's going to fall for pickup artist bullshit? Who's like so bovine that if you give her half compliments, she's going to want to have sex with you? That in in the course of developing the social skills that happens yes and there's there's no 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 it's not in the course of the the pickup again tell me if i'm wrong don't they teach you all the things you need to do to manipulate women into having sex with you well it's it's not manipulation it's all and i can't speak for everybody but the people that i you know my you know my guidance and the the others are that this is all voluntary I mean, we're not we're not manipulating someone to do something that they don't want to do. So it, that's that's kind so of so. The, there's the, no manipulation in no pickup artist uh, philosophy that you, you follow, say, unless you're to say we've learned an advanced uh, set of social skills that uh, create women to have the create women to have the emotions that would want. Oh well, come on, come on! No, look, stop fogging me, man. Look. If the pickup artist community was not about manipulation, it would be about one-tenth of a web page. And do you know what it would be? You'd walk up to a woman and say, I'm interested in sex with you. What do you think? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's the honest pickup artist community, right? Well, and that is a... That is a uh, that, that's uh, not that, what the web pages are all about. Honesty would be, I find you sexually attractive, and I would like to blow a load somewhere in your general vicinity, Right? Sure. Get an umbrella, a scuba gear, and let's go. Sure. But that's not what the pickup honest community is all about, right? It's much more complex from that, right? Well, y- yes, it is. But, I mean, there is a style, there is a style that you can adapt that is a, called a direct style that, yes, you uh, can take that. Yes, I understand. I understand sure. all of that. But that's pretty easy. So the pickup artist community is all about throwing women off their balance, destabilizing them, plugging into their desire for alpha males, blah, 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 right? Making exactly. them feel less confident, making them feel like you are supposed to be wanted because you're a little hard to get, being more confident because that's what women are attracted to, blah de blah de blah, right? Exactly. So it's a great way of banging idiots. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly, I'm sure there are plenty of idiots in the pickup artist realm. No, 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 no. Not idiots in the pickup community. Oh, you're saying the women are the, the, the Of course the women they are. are any yeah. woman with quality and self-knowledge is going to look at this ridiculous stuff that the pickup artist community is doing, and they're going to laugh at it. Oh, I, I mean, agree seriously, completely. imagine, I just, I pictured my wife being approached by some pickup artist who's got all the moves and knows what to say to make her feel slightly insecure and wanting him. I, mean, I don't think she'd be able to well, keep a straight face. Sure, and that, and that kind of leads me to my next question is I've... Um, I've had girlfriends, so to speak, and I've been listening to your shows for several years now, and I've really um, tried to take your approach to it for a year or so, at least a year now since my last relationship. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I still have these aspects of, okay, I get the phone number and I take the girl on a date, and I kind of set up an interview with her and find out what her true values are because, you know, I, you know, just trying to find out where they are. And I'm not, I'm not, my trouble is, is I'm having a really hard time finding a woman in the world we live in today that I would find acceptable to have children with. Got it. Yeah. And that's okay. My, that's so, and you're pr- saying that the, pr- pr- wait, pr- you're saying that the pickup artist stuff is not going to help you with that, which I agree with, right? 
Uh, I mean, as far as because you know what? Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just asked you a question. Let me just interrupt before I lose my thought. The pickup artist community is basically saying, we as men can be better at manipulation than women. I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is literally like a woman saying, I am going to bench press more than that giant Slovak guy who looks like a fridge with arms, right? I mean, you can't out-manipulate women. That's what they're bred for in general. Sure. Right? I mean, boy, <laughs> I mean, pick up artists. Ah, it's like, it's like a female tennis player saying, well, no, I want to compete with the men at Wimbledon. Of course, I mean, she's just going to get eliminated. Like the best female player in the world doesn't even rank in the top 1,000 of male players. For a man to say, I'm going to out-manipulate woman, is like a woman saying, I'm going to out-strengthen the strongest male. Men are bred for physical strength. We have 40% more upper body strength than women. We're taller, we're meatier, we're stronger, we're bigger. That's what we're bred for. And the idea that you're going to out-manipulate women, are you kidding me? Sure, sure. I, I, and I agree it, it is, it's not a very common, yeah, it's not a realistic point of view. But for me, the, being a, the pickup artist skill set is just having the confidence in the first place to even approach a woman and even have a conversation with her. So that's a big part of it. It's not that, you know, I have an intention of just, you know, sleeping with every single girl that I see. No, and, no, God, no, you're not getting my point, though, and I'm sorry to interrupt you again. It's having the confidence to approach women. Mm-hmm. First of all, you're lumping women into one category. Like sure. if you can approach idiot women who fall for obvious manipulations, women are infinitely better at sexual politics than men. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that it's what type of women are you training yourself to interact with through the pickup artistry? You're aiming and pointing yourself at lower Everywhere. quality women. That's my big issue. <laughs> And that's fine. Look, if you want to bang low-quality women, I think it's a bit sleazy, but, you know, what the hell? It's not a moral issue, right? It's dangerous, I think, highly dangerous. You never know when some sperm jacker is going to fish your condom out of the toilet and make herself pregnant with your, right? I mean, and, and if you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to, you know, double bag it and then flush it, and it's like, Jesus Christ, this is more like rescuing hostages from a downed airplane than it is free and relaxing sex, you know? (laughs) I mean, if you have to guard your sperm for being sperm-jacked, like you're bringing goldens, uh, you're bringing diamonds across the Congo territory up your ass, I mean, that's not much fun and relaxing sex. I think that's really not (laughs) particularly satisfying. But uh, it's what kind of women does the pickup artistry gravitate you towards, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The common denominator, the women end up being the the easy women, so to speak. Right. And you will, you are going to get more insecure approaching quality women if your skill set is designed to get low quality women, right? Sure. Like every time you eat junk food, you're lowering the pleasure you have in healthy food, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, they rate your skill set based upon the level of one through 10, and you know, looks is you know, if you can you can have the, the the nine out of ten or the ten out of ten, then you're more successful than the guy who had the six out of ten or the seven out of ten. So yeah, and you can you can, I mean again, I mean that's a viable sex strategy for troubled times. Like I, I get that, and then you know we are. You know, we're like crop dusters. You know, <laughs> I'm going to spray as much sperm as wildly as possible and hope it hits something fertile, right? 
And so, I mean, I, I get that. I get that. Uh, but what kind of woman do you want? So you're saying you're having a tough time finding women of quality. Well, how well, are you looking for women of quality? Well, I know where I don't want to look. I mean, that's not in a church. And it's uh, the women who are, quote, the status women who I'm very fearful of. Uh, for the same Sorry, what do you mean by status women? You, know, you mean like the yeah, just kind future of, money yeah. hotties? The what? I'm sorry. The cooch for money hotties. The the phone broke up, but the, the the women you were speaking about earlier who 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 are quick to divorce their men and and you know ruin families and so forth. Yeah. Um, okay. They're everywhere. I mean that that's that's ninety eight percent of them, as far as I can tell from my experience. It's ninety eight percent of the women that you're meeting are prostitutes uh, of one <laughs> form or another, right? Yeah, by your description from earlier, correct. Yes. Okay. Well, no, don't don't go with my description because it's your conversation. But basically, what you're saying is women who are status seekers who are willing to trade sex for resources, right? Exactly. Yes. Okay. So this is that's a form of prostitution. Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah, sex for resources is prostitution, right? You have to buy me dinner in order to have access to my vagina. Is I guess I you know will sell my fertility for the price of a Big Mac and fries, right? Or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you want to meet women who aren't on the prostitution continuum, right? Correct. And don't get me wrong, a lot of men, in fact, I would say the majority of men, are on the John continuum. In other words, willing to pay for sex, right? Correct. And, uh, you know, this, this prostitution thing, it sounds all kinds of terrible, not necessarily, right? I mean, I don't mean that this is... Uh, first of all, prostitution is not evil. I think it's a result of significant abuse and dysfunction, but it's not the direct initiation of force. But women who are pregnant and breastfeeding require resources, and the men has to give them the resources in return for fertility. So uh, it's not like this is some terrible or evil thing, but it's something that we need to be aware of. And the problem is that the entrance of the state into the marital arena has so changed the equation that the woman can get the resources without having to put up with the man. And that has fundamentally destroyed the value of men, which is why society can make fun of men so much, right? Because men have been rendered obsolete through the violent power of the state. And therefore, we can, you know, women can make as much fun of men as they want, and uh, they can just run to the state to get the resources that they used to get from men, and they can treat men like shit because they can get their stuff from the state. And then when the state runs out of money, women will be crying about what victims they are. I get it. No, I understand all of that. This is just a painful lesson that everyone's going to have to learn because there doesn't seem to be any way to avoid it rationally or empirically anymore. The numbers are fast approaching their inevitable resolution. So how are you going to find a woman who's not on the prostitute continuum? They're out there, just as there are men out there who are virtuous and atheists and anarchists and reject violence and all that kind of stuff, right? Sure, sure. They seem to be few and far between. But <laughs> well, they uh, are few and far between. Yeah. Well, my idea, and I emailed Mike about this earlier, uh, my solution and my proposition to your show or your website is 
um, to put up a uh, dating uh, dating website within the uh, you know somewhere embedded into your website so its members can join and and kind of find each other. Well, um, have you ever approached any woman who's been part of this conversation, this show? No, I wouldn't begin. I've I've introduced your material to my last girlfriend. Yeah, no, no, that's the retrofitting is very very unlikely to work. I know it was right. Very- so. As far as I know, um, you know, a number of marriages have come out of this show, and they're all successful. Ooh, me, me. Ooh. ooh no, no. Ooh, I'm trying to. Oh, I'm, no, not you. Oh, no, oh, over here. No, over no here. go ahead. So, so, I mean, you you came to an FDR meetup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you 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 put on your robe, and I, I led you to the, <laughs> the igloo compound. Don't the I led you to the I, no. I led you to the igloo compound of fertile women. And you took your pick, if I remember rightly. <laughs> well, I wasn't that level of donation tier, so I did right. that opportunity. <laughs> right, right. Sorry. Prostitute. <laughs> but no, I Philostitutes, went... we call them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I went to Freedom Man Radio Meetup, which was a, you know, a scary thing for me. I was someone with you know, big, big levels of social anxiety at the, at the moment. So I you know, drove multiple hours to a place I didn't know. And I maybe had a, had a brief conversation with one or two people that were there. But for the most part, I didn't really know anyone. So going into this massive social situation that was incredibly uncomfortable. Um, and I ended up sitting next to my future wife at dinner, um, big group dinner, and just struck up a conversation. And before you know it, you know, we were glued to each other's hip for the entire weekend, which, you know, is... And he thinks, you know, sorry, just so you know, people will think that's a metaphor. They don't know exactly how the mechanics of the FDR meetup work. <laughs> but there is the fertility glue gun that uh, is sudden and I would say pretty vicious, right? <laughs> the, I, I always wanted to raise issues with you regarding the actual application of the glue stuff. I thought you could have been far more gentle. Um, gentle <laughs> and a little touch, less but... hands-on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not sticky enough yet. <laughs> Bring on the yak milk. <laughs> anyway, go on. But yeah, we were glued to each other's hip for the whole weekend just because we enjoyed interacting with each other and it was actual honest conversation. There wasn't any type of manipulation or, you know, chicanery. It was just like, oh, well, tell me about your life. Who are you? And, you know, and nothing, nothing even slightly manipulative. We both came into it. It was just a total honest interaction. And we both enjoyed each other's company, and we full admitted that we enjoyed each other's company. So we spent more time with each other, which led to us spending more time with each other and led to us having more conversations. And we actually um, – we live about eight hours, an eight-hour drive apart. You know, We both went up to where the, the meetup was had near Toronto, and I live in Grand Island, New York, and she lived in Pennsylvania at the time. So, of course, a series of you know, like talking on the phone or on Skype for five to six plus hours a day occurred over the next week and you know then we you know we'd make trips back and forth and we made it happen you know really like a challenging logistical situation um with both occupations and you know routes in various areas we we made it work until we could um move closer to each other uh which now you know now we're married and we live together and and all of that and we made a challenging logistical situation work because we enjoyed each other's company and our interactions and the positive attributes and virtues we each possessed, we, you know, that was such a, an important thing that we made it work. And I guarantee you that that would not have happened, you know, if I went into situations like, hey, 
let me subconsciously knock you off and make you feel a little uncomfortable by giving you a negative compliment in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> You know, if I started the interactions that way, I guarantee my current wife would have looked at me and said, I'm going to go talk to one of the other 40 people in this room as opposed to this douchebag. Right. And, but sorry, you, you were saying, sorry, listener, you were saying that um, when I said, have you ever approached a woman uh, at the FDR website? And you said, no, I and you that seemed like quite heartfelt. And I just wanted to get the end of that sentence. Sure. Yeah, I've, I've not met anybody else from uh, FDR. I've, you know, I'm just a, a lone ranger out here. From listening on the internet, so. And why? Why have you not uh, tried that? Uh, I I guess I have not been to an event. Or, I mean, how how would I go about doing that? I, I'm not. I'm well, no, no. I, I mean, but even just on the on the website, or you know, whatever, right? I mean, uh, there's a there's a forum, there's a chat room, there's you know, my Facebook stuff or whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, women uh, post there all the all the time. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I I just didn't. Uh, maybe I didn't think about that, or I don't find it appropriate to. You know, uh, let's say apply my pickup artist skills to. Uh, You've approached three thousand women, <laughs> but none of them in the philosophy show that you feel is the pathway to virtue. Hmm. Well, I was, I just haven't been engaged on the uh, forum to be honest. So I no, um, I understand I, that. Maybe, maybe I, I should. The, the question is why. Yeah, the, yeah. Why are you not engaged in the forum? Well, I guess I haven't been engaged in the forum. In, no, no, I understand I that. Right. In, I didn't think of it in terms of dating. I didn't think of until you just said it now. So, um, but and you also said it would but, be inappropriate uh, to use pickup artistry on philosophical women. I was yeah making kind of a joke about the you know. Let me, but it's true, right? I mean, it would be inappropriate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you know, philosophy is about honesty and directness, right? Exactly. Without honesty, there can't be any kind of relationship, right? And exactly. if you're trying to manipulate a woman into slipping and falling on your penis, not really the same as behaving virtuously and honestly towards someone, right? Sure, exactly. And that's what I mean. So when you when you pursue the manipulation, you are not pursuing the direct honesty, openness, and vulnerability thing. You're developing the wrong muscles, right? Correct. It's like, I need to bench press. Okay, work on your calves. Can I work on my shoulders and my arms? No. Well, uh, <laughs> then they're just going to get weaker and your calves are going to get stronger, right? Right. So that's sort of what, you know, everything... Everything we do strengthens whatever we do, and everything we don't do gets weaker, right? And so if you're spending your time learning how to manipulate bovine women into offering up some holes, then you are not learning the direct, honest, open, emotionally vulnerable, and connected communication that a quality woman is going to look for, right? Sure. Yeah, I just haven't had practice with a – I haven't had quality women to practice with. <laughs> right, I mean, but I, that's because you've had 3,000 of – the herd of spotted, cud-chewing, people magazine-reading women, right? Yeah, and yeah, the status women, as I call them. So, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, uh, you know, they say women are status-seeking. It's not true. Women are statist-seeking. <laughs> right. uh, they love the power that the state can provide them uh, without having to actually uh, have a real-life man to negotiate with, all right? So... Um, a woman is, is primed to get stuff for nothing. That's how she values her attractiveness. In the same way that a man is primed to get attractive women, that's how he values his resource provisions. And the state is just, it's catnip for women. They, they honestly, in general, uh, can't, cannot resist it uh, any more than, you know, a man can resist a supermodel coming up and saying, let's have sex. Uh, women cannot resist politicians coming up and saying, here's some free shit for you ladies, wink, wink, wink. Uh, they just can't. 
And uh, in the same way, men can't resist a call to arms, or at least couldn't until more recently, uh, women just, they can't resist the free shit. I mean, they're just biologically primed. Because for a woman, uh, free shit means I'm attractive, and that's the biological purpose of reproduction. And they just, they can't resist it. That's why statism is so toxic to, uh, to women. It provides them the greatest drug of attractive men offering them free stuff. Uh, and this is why women get so mental for attractive candidates. This is why, you know, you talk to women in the 70s about, or the 80s even, about John F. Kennedy. Oh, Camelot. Oh, it's so glamorous. I mean, fuck, what was his policies? I don't know. But he had a really pretty wife. I mean, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you people have any control over my destiny uh, when you're not even skin deep in your shallowness. But anyway, so um, my, my sort of thought is just, you know, try and stay away from developing animal husbandry and start working on attracting real women. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I, that's what I've been trying to do, especially since finding your your show. And even really before your show, I was aware of that. I mean, I I didn't grow up in a world where I'd you know, being a pickup artist was a virtue by any means. It was sort of just a, I'm going to call it a survival <laughs> tactic, to swimming in a sea of being single and a virgin and not knowing why women are acting the way they do and trying to deal with it the best way I could at the time. But this this is, I mean, so why why didn't you know how to talk to women? I mean, did you not grow up with a father talking to your mother? Yes. Yes, I did. You did. Okay, so you knew how to talk to women. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I know how to talk to women, but it, I guess I, I kind of, I would say earlier in my life, I bought into this Western um, kind of model. Of, you know, you're watching the movie and the, the man chases a hot woman, and and I thought that that's probably where I learned those behaviors and was introduced to that. And I would imagine that's kind of the model that a lot of men kind of follow. In their no, but my question is, why did you need a model? Because I'm going to chase chase the hottest woman I can. At this time, is that what your dad did? I I, was, I would probably blame it more on you know Western influence. Sorry, no, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm sorry, you are um, talking about Why? all these modeling that you needed, right? That you didn't model. I'm sorry. The role model. Yeah, well, why did you? You um, had a father. Why did you need all this role model from the media? Yeah, my I guess my. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's a mistake I made on my part to, uh, to, you know, to, uh, to, to take this other path, so to speak. To be no, 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 but this is, oh, sorry, sorry sure it's a serious question. Hang on, hang on. Sorry, serious question. Did you not want to be like your dad? Sure. Yes, I do. And what did your dad do to get your mom? Uh, like, Say that again, my friend. What did your dad do to get your mom? How did your mom? How did your dad win your mom? Oh, he uh, he was in college, and my mother was in college, and yeah, he 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 approached my mother. I, it was uh, oh, you know what? No, they actually they uh, they went on a double date, and then the my mother's date didn't work out. So she was introduced to my father and they went on a, a date and then, you know, we're, we're married within a year or two after that. And what, what did your father find attractive about your mother? Uh, well, he says, he says her, says her long legs. 
So, huh. so she had a nice pair of getaway sticks, and that's what he found attractive? Yeah, she's an attractive woman. But I will say this. He says that ultimately why he, he decided on her was because of her, uh, her, uh, her personality. And her, her, she was a kind person, and uh, and that was ultimately the reason why. I mean, my father was a good-looking man. He could have dated, you know, a lot of different women. But I, I, I do, you know, applaud my father for 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 saying that about my mother. I think that's really awesome. So. And do you find your mother to be uh, your mother's personality to be attractive? I do, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I do. Much that was a that was kind I of a pause there, there, brother. Yeah, <laughs> kind of a long pause there. Should not be that complicated a question. Well, I do compare to most of the women I meet. In no, my no, life. no. Yeah. Do you love your wife, Steph? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how would you experience that? There's something you're not telling me. Something oh, you're not well, telling me. Um, so she's not open with her communication sometimes, and um, that that has probably frustrated me. Um, but but she's a kind, very kind person in general. She I don't have any complaints about my mother in general. But she's but she maybe she didn't uh, you know give me lessons that you know her. I don't know. She wasn't. She's just not a very open with her uh, communication sometimes. So is it fair to say that you don't have a very direct line of communication with your mother's heart? Um, probably. I mean, we certainly love, I certainly love my mother. I mean, we love each other, but we don't have, all, we don't always have heartfelt talks, put it that way. Some of our talks are... Yeah, see, you mean, the problem is you're just starting to hedge and dodge, right? I did not say, do you always have heartfelt talks, right? So you're reframing what I'm saying for your own emotional comfort, right? You're inventing what I'm saying so that you can respond to a straw man argument. Sure. And if you want to do that, that's fine. Just don't involve me in it. Like, if you're going to have a conversation with stuff I'm not saying, I don't need to be there for that, right? Sure. So uh, I would suggest like, okay, so if you say your mom's not that emotionally available or whatever, then you may not have a direct line of communication with her. Therefore, you may have been trained into indirect ways of communicating with women, which would be the pickup artist community. It's possible. It's possible. I don't know. It doesn't sound like a conversation we can have right now uh, because of where you're coming from, but it's just something to think about that you may end up being more comfortable with this indirect way of communicating to women through the pickup artistry thing if you don't have a direct way of communicating with your mom. I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I'm just saying it's something to think about. I, I think it's possible. I think it's right. possible, for sure. And that may be why you're avoiding more direct female communication, right? Because you have this template of this is how women are and you can disrespectful and disloyal to your mom if you raise your standards in other ways. And, you know, it's discombobulating. So that would be uh, my suggestion, but... I'm afraid the time has come for me to go to the mosque and convert. So I hope everyone's having a wonderful, wonderful week. FDRURL.com forward slash donate to uh, bring your tasty monetary goodies to the attention of the philosophical clouds. I don't know what happened to that metaphor. It pulled apart like a metaphor that pulls apart. 
So, uh, yeah, please do help out the show. We are going to, I guess, be unveiling, what is it, Mike, uh, 10 days till we can show off our fancy new studio? Finishing touches are being put on it now. So uh, Finishing touches, yeah. The um, flash pots, magnesium arcs, backup dancers are being chained to the appropriate cavern walls. <laughs> Uh, nipple clamps are almost in place, and the testicle tasers. Uh, oh, are I forgot to order those. Ready. Oh man. Uh, oh, you don't have to man. order them. Just, <laughs> just pick them out from my extensive private collection of testicle oh, okay. tasers. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're going to be unveiling that. That was not cheap, and uh, I hope that you will help. I, 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 you know, this is the kind of thing we're doing to raise the profile and make things a little bit more consumable. Uh, always looking for the first impressions of the newbies so um if you'd like to help out with that so fdrurl.com forward slash donate massively appreciate it have yourselves a wonderful week thank you as always mike for running uh, a flawless show thank you for the listeners thank you for the people in the chat room for working as hard as you can to distract me from listening to the callers you bastards uh, and uh, have a great week everyone we'll talk to you uh wednesday night